Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all that counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Nation Radio. I am James Boyd. And here with me, I have Rich Lotta. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just um, putting together uh, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, we got coming up to talk about here, uh, organizing and looking at this uh, this NXT that's going on tonight. And my God, it's a very different show. Uh, I don't have a full review for you guys. I don't have like, um, you know, notes, uh, notes or anything. Yeah, but let's just say it's very different. Uh, I would encourage everybody to at least check out like the first hour of the show. It's going to be like a whirlwind of change has just happened. Um, there's tons of green dudes everywhere. There's people cutting terrible promos. There's a bunch of lights. Uh, it looks like a daytime television um, studio setup. Uh, it's a complete like it, like it, like Triple H has completely been like shoved out the door. Like it's they've got somebody in the title match tonight that I've never heard of before. So like it's, and they're doing angles and shit, like lots of them. They have a, they have a mafia character set to debut soon. Um, yeah. You said Kyle cool. O'Reilly got pulled out of the title match on an angle. Yes. Yes. On an angle. And he's being replaced by a dude named Vaughn Wagner, who is actually Cal Bloom, who people may have noticed got some early work when the pandemic first started uh, doing jobs on like SmackDown or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess, um, before we take off and we will come back because obviously Samoa Joe has vacated the NFC title Sunday night. I've had two days to sit on this. I've actually like kind of thought about it and t- the show tonight has definitely confirmed, uh, what I've been thinking. So we'll get to that later. Uh, but yes, it is the, uh, it's, it's the ninth anniversary of one nation radio, James. What the hell are we we still doing here? I I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
we started to show up as a, you know, more or less like we had these conversations, you know, uh, two or three times a week um, about different things, whether it was wrestling or sports. And when this show first started, like we were a sports slash pro wrestling podcast. And then as it evolved, we went further and further into the darkness, <laughs> further, further, further into the muck of uh, fake fighting. And we more or less became a pro wrestling podcast that eventually, like, you know, if something happens that we care about, we'll talk about, like, you know, Bobby Bowden's death, someone's passing, or uh, Michael Jordan doc, or something, ha- like an album release, something like that. We'll talk about that or whatever else. But, you know, for, I mean, most of this run, it, it evolved to a wrestling podcast, and we've been here, you know, more or less uh, this way ever since then. Um I mean, what, what what are your thoughts? You said, how the hell how the hell do we get here? What, what are your thoughts on how the hell we got here? Yeah, man. Lots of, like, lots of shows. Um, I, I don't know the official number. Um, maybe there's somebody out there that's been listening from the very beginning that can figure it out. Oh, God. Uh, that poor a, person. It's a lot. Um, yeah. From having absolute terrible audio in the beginning, like, <laughs> they're trying to figure this shit out. And, like, it was just, like, a full DIY project. It was like, well, how do we do a podcast? Well, I know how to record a song. So how about I just do the same shit? Like, <laughs> and, um, you know, we've since like, I think we've matured a great deal as like podcast hosts without even really like trying. It, it kind of has just happened. Um, the, the old shows are just, you know, wild west format. Like we didn't we would roll out of bed and just be like, all right, cut the mic on. Like and I don't know, it sounded all right, but uh, I you know, we've tended to we've grown an audience and we've had people that have been rocking with us for a long time. Appreciate all you guys and um I, I'm I'm happy to still host the show every week and like the uh cool thing about it is like the way and I think we actually got some questions that kind of touch on this so i don't want to go too much into it but okay. like, our our taste of like changed over time so um it's just like the more that we required of our like like the more that we required to be entertained by and we required like a certain level of quality like the more we've had to go around the world to get <laughs> it um which is cool because like i mean like it, it's weird it's like was WWE always this bad? No, like <laughs> no, it wasn't. But but like it's like man, what if we were like even going going around the world even earlier? I I always wonder about that. But um, I'm you know happy to happy to always be doing the show. Nine years next year is gonna be ten years in One Nation Radio. Wow, I think that's when we'll probably like do like something super special or we'll have to come up with something but we'll have our like 10 years of one nation radio wrestlers of you know one nation radio era matches of the era different shit like that so like um yeah any, any ideas you guys got that uh could help us celebrate any, any positive notes you want to send to us we'll take them you know we'll we'll go ahead and um uh you know get those but um yeah nine years man it's a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, think of it this way: like, how many times have I quit? <laughs> what, two, three, four times? I've quit. They'd be like, after WrestleMania, yeah, bro. Like, the NBA playoffs are, are here. 
Nah, man, I I think I'm done. Or they they just completely they just bust Roman's head to the white meat. I'm I'm good. That's fucking stupid. They've been building this guy for for half a fucking decade at this point, and they just, and they just left him in a pool of his own shit. And then he got up and got beat with a regular fucking wrestle move at the after it. What the fuck are we watching? What is this? This is nonsense. So, um, yeah, uh, like you said, our tastes have changed a lot, and I'm, I'm sure some I saw some of the questions. I'm sure we'll we'll go in then more detail. Um. Is there anything else you want to hit on as far as the nine or the nine year or? Yeah, man. Thanks for doing the show with me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being a friend. (laughs) Thank you for being a friend. I might might have talked to James about wrestling more than like, I don't know, like, like a lot of other people about anything like (laughs) at this point. Yeah. But. I, I honestly, I think um, I don't know if like if wrestling is the thing we, we've ever talked about the most. Like I don't, I don't know. Um, compared to what, for example, like the NBA? Yeah, like the NBA or or even rap. Like yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it'd probably be close. But um, yeah. So let's let's jump into some of these questions. Um, first one comes from Dellen James. What's up, Dellen? He says, "Happy ninth anniversary." How would you guys rate wrestling overall in the last ten years? Uh, how would you want to answer? Is are you are we going to compare it to like what we grew up on, or um, I would say sure. Compared to what we grew up on, like you know, looking back on it at the time, because at the time in the nineties when I was watching. That's my only frame of reference. Like, I basically, my first memories of watching anything was, like, the 92 SummerSlam with Brett and Bull, or Bulldog and Brett, and then WrestleMania 2000, um, I used to have one of those illegal uh, cable box to get pay-per-views. That's how I was always watching it. Like, either um, either uh, one, my cousin Alex folks had it, or I ended up getting it, and then, like, once... Um, they kind of adapted technology to where, like, I had to get a new box. When that we were waiting, there was a wait period to where I couldn't get a new box. And by that point in time, it was like early two thousand, and I ended up missing WrestleMania that year. But when I came to school and I heard that the fucking Rock had lost, I was like, <laughs> "I'm done. I don't. That's fucking stupid." I'm just. I washed my hands of wrestling. I was kind of getting out of the loop by that point in time. WCW was in the shit. By that time, the only thing I was lying was WWF, and then like Rock was hotter than the sun, and they beat him, and he's and he's like the first babyface to ever lose WrestleMania. I was like, I'm fucking done. That's fucking stupid. That's I'm, I'm done. And um, you know, more or less, like the the WrestleMania 25 Sean Undertaker match was kind of it was like the first wrestling I had to watch from that point on, and then uh, I would watch WrestleMania with you. And then, like, The Rock came back, dude, and then he had to, you know, the Cena thing build, and then all of a sudden the pipe bomb hits, and then, like, it was like, all right, let's start watching wrestling again. Um, but, you know, like, generally, the st- if I would say WWE, I would say the first half of the decade, I was I would have said, let me phrase that, the first few years, the first third of the decade, I would have been like, it's better. Um, outside of 2016, really, I would say that the storylines, as far as um, the wrestling, is just better, flat out better. They're better wrestlers, they do more stuff. There's less rest holes. All that in WWE, uh, there's, the whole entire style is modernized compared to the '90s. Um, but their insistence on getting heat and their lack of being able to build a baby face is like you. If 
this ain't the Vincent Man that I grew up watching. That dude knew how to make babyface left and right with with the greatest of ease at times. Like maybe those dudes weren't exactly um they weren't exactly selling out the biggest buildings in the world, but like they would be in front of the crowds of people that were there, and those crowds would love them. People love like don't don't get it fucked up. Like people loved Diesel. People loved uh, Bret Hart. People loved Shawn Michaels. Don't let that ninety that new generation era make you, uh, and the fact that they didn't draw as much make you think that like people didn't love those people when they were there. Because I was there amongst those people. I was watching those shows. They were hot for those guys. But um, yeah, I would say basically like the like the last two thirds of the decade for WWE in the main roster anyway, like it was just a mess. And like the saving grace for them was their network stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it was like a, a fork in a road split at a certain point. Um, you, you can probably, probably draw the line at like the 2017 Royal rumble. <laughs> like, like after that, man, it gets real rough. Flab at the um, 17 rumble. Was that Orton? Nah, yeah, Orton, Orton won, won day, but AJ Styles dropped the belt to Cena. Yeah, um, and it was like and then and then and then it went to Bray Wyatt and Wyatt to Orton and then Orton to Gender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the whole Brock thing is still around. Undertaker's hanging hanging around. Roman Reigns is still getting booed. Um, Rem- you know, remember, remember the build to WrestleMania 34 and like that Royal Rumble and how it was like that's one of the best pay per views WWE's ever done. They cemented uh, Nakamura. They cemented Asuka. They're about to go to WrestleMania and like this card is loaded and Daniel Bryan's back. After being gone for years, it's like we're off to the races. And we weren't after basically after that that uh, that Ronda Rousey debut match. It was down the tubes. It was down the tubes for like two and a half hours. Yeah, it um, it it. I would say uh, overall, like you know, the the cool thing is I've d- discovered like the wrestling around the world, and yeah. that's flat out the best wrestling I've ever like consumed and watched in my life um from the new japan from 2015 to 2019 uh was where it was at uh and then that rolled right into aw like and that's like that's been the peak of of my wrestling fandom yeah um my the peak of my wrestling fandom has been um more or less like 2016 to 2020 uh nxt but early to like Portland, like February, February 16th, 2020. I know the date. Like, that's when, that's when, that was like my favorite run of North American professional television, um, professional wrestling television. Um, AEW is right up there as far, or actually beats it as far as uh, storytelling. Uh, the match quality isn't at that level, but whatever, doesn't matter. Um, so, with that, and plus, like, you know, most of the best matches I've ever seen are from New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's that's just a whole another thing. Um, Champa won. Oh, that's cool. So Ch- so Champa's a babyface champion. Interesting. I guess. Yeah. Well, he's been the t- like him and Thatcher were unless something's happened last month when I was watching. Like him and Thatcher were babyface team or whatever else. So yeah. Um, well, really, like an anti-hero team of tough grizzled bastards that people cheered because they're tough grizzled bastards. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but uh, let's go on to our next question here. Um, it's funny, Muzzle said, Who do you prefer to win and who will most likely win the NAC four way match? So it, it was Champa. I would have um, said done. 
Yeah, I would have said L.A. Knight, but um, L.A. Knight actually was the one. <laughs> wait, wait, because it, it's the smartest business decision or because, like, it's who Vince would have picked because he's a body guy? Uh, I guess And, it's who and he'd be like, you remind me of Rock, except you're white. I can yeah. do more with you now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, L.A. Knight did two jobs tonight. Um, oh, he got pinned? <laughs> yeah, he got pinned. Um, wow. No, no, he got pinned in the main event? Yes. Damn. And the opener. Damn. That boy is grand opening, grand closing. Yes. Booking um, it. L's. He also says, who has been your five-star grand pre-MVP and your most surprising competitor, someone that's performed better than expected? Uh, you want you want to go with yours first, or you want me to go with mine? You can go with yours. I have not. I would say I have not watched enough to have an MVP. I think you have. Do you watch uh, it? Oh, how many I, of the, nights mean, one, the first two nights do you watch? Uh, you know what? It could. It, I might as well just say Shuri. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The MVP is Shuri so far. Like Shuri has. Let's see. Uh, I think she is. I think she's five matches in now. Or oh, let me look real quick. Well, anyway, she had the opening match was with Kamatani. That's four and a quarter. The, her second match was four and a half with Micah. That I gave. I gave four and a half. If some people gave may have given it four and a quarter. I don't know what fuck that match was incredible. Um, she had the the match with. Azumi, that's like four stars, four and a quarter. She had uh, the match with um, uh, with Utami. That was great. Um, that's like Meltzer gave it four and a half. I gave it four and a quarter. A lot of people was in that four and a quarter range. Uh, she had a the match with uh, Konami. I get it four flat stars from uh, not this past weekend's sets of shows, but like from the the the, the September fourth and six uh shows i get that four stars and then the match she had with um who was it i'm blanking but she had a match on no i'm sorry she had a match on this oh, with the match with konami was on the sixth not the fourth but i get that match for five stars so like i think every match she's had so far has been four stars or better there might be one match there might be one match i'm forgetting like a match with like Roaka or or Unagi. No, she I don't think she had match with him yet. Like she was basically like the person to be out, come out the gate and have the hot, hot hot start with like the top wrestlers in that block. And she's she's been killing it. So for me, just every match she's had has been a great match or better. So uh, for me, it's Shuri. Uh, people that have surprised me so far were only three matches in for her, I think. But like I'll probably say Kaguma. Um, Kaguma. Like, she had three stars, four stars, four, three and a half. Like, she's had a three and a half star rating. Like, she she came out of retirement, like, two months ago. Or three months ago. She's consistently having really good matches. So, yeah. I mean, it, I probably won't last. Uh, but we'll see. Like, I mean, she wrestled... She hasn't wrestled Mayu yet. So, like, I, you know, that'll jump the, the, the average up. And uh, But, like, she's Nasupoi and Kid and Julia. So... Like she's wrestled some of the better wrestlers in her block, but like they're still, um, they're still Hameka, they're still Mayu to go. So uh, you know, in Saki, I'm sure her and Saki have good chemistry. Like they, you know, um, so yeah. Uh, so far, I, I would say Kaguma. So next question comes from Bruce Melismon. What's up, Bruce? Longtime listener. He says, uh, "Congrats, guys. How have you each grown as wrestling journalists in the last nine years?" 
what are some goals that you each have for the next nine? If those are too boring, try this one instead. If you could write and perform one interest theme, whose would you do? Oh, this is towards you, like because I don't. I'm not a wrestling journalist, and I and, <laughs> I, and I'm also not a rapper, so that's that's de- definitely for you. I am not a journalist either. I'm a uh, personality. I you are a long form shit poster. Yeah, a long form. Yes, I, I, I'll come out here and, and and give you something in a column to, to try to capture the moment and the larger theme behind something. But um, I would probably say I started like the first columns I ever wrote were like in 2013, I would say. And it was just a lot more like blog style analysis. And then like I really kind of put myself through like writing camp like in uh, the LOP forums in 2017, like with Sir Sam. And it was like, I was putting out like three columns a week and shit. And then like my run on the Lord's of Pain main page where it was like, all right, it was, it's like the rapid fire. Like it, it, like I stopped trying to make like everything, the most epic thing possible. And it was like, all right, I'm, I'm giving you rapid fire stuff, quick analysis, but like, shit's still funny shit can still be like compelling but it's like a live in the moment kind of piece i would say um so you know i had you know different people receive it different ways there were you know i i had the door open for me to touch on more controversial topics which i felt like i had fun tackling um (laughs) and um I think, you know, and I haven't really written much and I, I would actually return to writing a column earlier this summer. And if, you know, I feel like I can, I, I can visualize doing like a, a column a little bit easier than I did back in the day now, just because of that experience. But, um, I, I would say some goals that I have, like, I want to, uh, I still want to sell out, you know, I still want this whole shit to get bought out, you know, by, um, you know, the ringer or Spotify or some shit. So, you know, Spotify. Yes. Ringer. No, no. Yeah. Spotify. You know, we, we can go ahead and um, get the bag. Um, You know, those, those wrestling shows they got on Spotify now are fucking horrible. So like we can um, (laughs) go on there and, you know, set the shit correct. Well, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Like the ringer is like, I don't, I don't think they will a lot. They will want our content. Yeah. 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 That, like if they if, look if if they want us to if they want us to change our content we will gladly do so for the for the great old almighty dollar that's fine that's fine we'll do that but outside of that i don't think so uh and if, if i could write and perform one interesting it would be kenny obviously like mm. you know like I, i'd figure it out um question from the jml what's up JML, he says, happy anniversary. One, do you think any of the lower NXT titles get discontinued when NXT 2.0 gets relaunched? And he also has another question. Who do you think wins the five-star GP now that Julia's out? And a bonus question. What was the most fun that you had on an episode of One Nation Radio? Oh, man. Okay, so let's go one by one. Yep. I don't so, think any of the titles are getting discontinued. Hell, they might add more titles. I could see them getting rid of the Cruiserweight title. Okay. But because this is like 205 Live is is just on, like, it ain't even on life support. Like, that is a cadaver. That is a vegetable. That, yeah. Shivo. But, um, 
he says, who do you think will win the five-star GP now that Julia's out? I'm still going with Mayu. I have not changed. It, it, yeah, my, my two picks are either Mayu or Shuri. And, you know, a lot of people thought Julia just because, you know, they're pushing her as, their, as the top star of the company, even if, like, like if she became the Red Belt champion, like, you're like okay, then why did you do this for Shuri then? Um, yeah, so, so anyway, like, I didn't know that she was injured. Um, I guess she got injured this weekend because this past weekend she was fine. Like she wrestled on uh, month, not eight days ago, so I don't know they're what happened to, to her. They're going to redo the, all the points and all that. No, they'll so, just uh, no, they won't. What they'll just do is what normally with them, like cause this happened with um Utami and Jungle uh two years ago at the Grand Prix when both of them got hurt. Like Utami got hurt early and then Jungle got hurt in the middle. Uh, or so basically what they end up doing is they just like. All them shits are forfeited. All them points are just transfer. Transfer. Get everybody is left to face and gets the two points, and then they uh, rejigger from there. But gotcha. um, got to keep in mind, like my already beat Julia, so in in like this in night two, so it was like in, in night in concern, like he's gonna fuck with the points because those points were already given to. Like it was gonna come down. It was most likely gonna come down to those two. Like the leader in the uh, from where I've left off at in uh, will be Starlight Kid, and like Starlight Kid faces Mayu and in the block final of uh of the Grand Prix. So like it's probably gonna come down to those two anyway. Like and Shuri already ru- I'm sorry, Shuri Julie already faced both of them. So like they already got the points they were gonna get anyway. So it's actually kind of like they may have just whew, got lucky because they could have been fucked up, but I wanna so, know what happened to her though. I gotta find that out, I guess. Is also his bonus question, what was the most fun y'all had on an episode of One Nation Radio? Oh man that is such a wide, varying question. Um, I definitely enjoyed having like Tanya on when <laughs> she started like just just blacking out about Mark Henry and Ronda Rousey and stuff like that. That was yeah, that was classic comedy. Uh, uh, I yeah. give you one from the early days of One Nation Radio. We were doing Michael Jackson's best songs. Um, oh yeah, and I was we were talking about the Smooth Criminal video, and I had been like saving. You know, I like smooth criminals, so I was like, Michael Jackson was doing the fucking lean, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to listen. I believe oh, it's man. episode thirty of One Nation Radio. If you can find it, yeah, like we, I'm guessing we did a best of, we did a, we did a uh, Marsh Madness bracket for it. Yep. Yeah, like we did it before. Like there was even, did we do that before we even did a con- the Kanye one was on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, and then we eventually did a uh, the Kanye one when it actually happened, and we, we did one of him too, and like. Whew. Long time has changed. There's not too much Kanye West related material on One Nation Radio since 2016. Yeah. Since you yeah. know, since that whole MAGA thing. That's wow. Um, I usually like the award shows. I have I have a lot yeah. of fun doing those. Um, I would probably also say uh, I don't know if this counts for One Nation Radio, but it was the FOH draft last year <laughs> when I went on that big rant about about Kenny Omega breaking people's brains. Like oh, that man. was that was some all time audio right there. Yeah, um, I don't know about the awards are high up there. The year in reviews for for you know we were doing AEW and WWE and Stardom and New Japan. I enjoy those. Um, I enjoy like listening to people's uh, top ten favorite match lists for for you know promotion that we had them on the cover or you know their time in the general top ten list. Um, like one of my fa- funniest moments was like Zach when we had to record his top ten. His favorite match was um, from last year was uh, the Naito. Um, Okada match from night two of uh, Russell Kingdom, and he talked about how like 
even the pandemic was worth this win after 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 2018. <laughs> we we laughed his ass off air. Like like what? Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Like I mean, I, I've I've really enjoyed like um. It's it's maybe not the funniest thing, but I will say the most satisfying thing was probably when we did um the live show in, at the Hooters in um in Manhattan. Yeah. Like yeah. across the street from uh, the garden, like that was that was super cool in, uh, in 2019, and then like we were having a watch party, and then you see like some of the wrestlers show up from New Japan. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that was for sure. Like, just like shout out to, uh, Chad Matthews, like who uh, kind of helped swing that. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely like really cool, and um, you know, I, I would just say like you know, doing One Nation Real is always fun. So like. You know, for any given week, you can find us laughing our ass off. So that's why it's kind of hard to point to. Oh, uh, I got a good one. Stuff, I got a good one. You mentioned Chad, and it made me go back to the summer of 2018. He was on the show <laughs> to promote his book, uh, exactly the, the, the greatest robberies, in, uh, the 50 greatest robberies in um, in um, of in WWE history. And he went uh, and. And by that point in time, I had I was gone from the, the show, and Rich is basically holding the, holding up the flag, you know, his own John Cena, his own Tanahashi, just holding up the flag for the company, you know, just the ace. And I I was gone. I was you know that was that disheartened by WrestleMania 34. Um, and um, I came on the show because Chad had gave me uh had forwarded me a copy of his book, and um, you know, we were interviewing him different and asking different questions and stuff. Um, and I'd asked him, like, I think it was like, are you, you know, like what can kind of, you wrote this book and like, look at your fandom now, like where, like, you know, what are you looking forward to? Is there still stuff to go? And he has, he had one of his analogy talking about the Brock Lesnar thing, uh, him just like being so done with Brock Lesnar running the, the, the title picture and whatever brand he's on. And to the point where he's like, he made an analogy to a stick about how he's been getting jabbed and poked with the stick over and over and over multiple times for over the weeks, months, and years. And he says he's about ready to take that fucking stick and break it over his knees. <laughs> he's had enough, and I fucking howled on air. Like, that was that was one of the funniest things that's ever happened on the show. Because, like, Chad, Chad's relatively mild-mannered. Like, yeah. But obviously, you know, he'll... He'll say, you know, whatever. He, I don't think he's ever holding back or pulling punches with, with it, whatever he, uh, his opinions are. But, like, the fact that he, like, he went for, like, five to ten minutes. I can't remember how long this rant was, but uninterrupted. Only thing that's interrupting this man from just his stream of conscience and stream of rage was our, our occasional laughs. It, yeah. it, it, like, sparsely in between his, his comedic pauses almost. Like, that was it. And when he, when he landed the dismount on that, I was like, wow, like, I understand he writes books, but he he could be really good at fucking radio. <laughs> like, obviously it's a podcast, but like the fact that like he just went off, just went off on his own. Like that's a whole entire segment. That's that was a nine minute segment. They'd be like, we'll be right back after these messages and go to, go to commercial. If this is a radio show. So right. I was I was it was hilarious. It was perfect. Yeah, um, you know, one thing I, I also like enjoy about like our show is just like we don't run from like shit like. Like if there's something out there that you know needs to kind of get like talked about, we'll do it. Whether it's like serious or it's like funny or it's it's shit that no one else can talk about. Um, you know, there like I said, there are other people that have popped up that have made being the quote unquote black podcast their thing. Like there's there's a lot of those, but um, they're not going to be able to give you what 
we're giving you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I may be biased, but um, th- this is this is where it's at. Um, Dan Coffin, shout out to Dan. He says, "How does AEW recover from the Suzuki incident?" Oh, for fuck's sake. I think they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> in the aftermath of all of this, uh, well, not the aftermath of that, but like an aftermath of um, of like him having his match. Like, isn't it? Isn't he coming back? Yeah, he's coming back uh, tomorrow uh, with you know with Archer? He's be with, with Archer. Yeah, and he's going to be calling out uh, Mox, and I, I think they're going to be doing a tag match at Arthur Ashe. It's going to be with Kingston. Um, yeah, with Kingston oh, cool. and Moxley cool. against Archer and Suzuki. So um, yeah, I thanks for the seven hundred plus likes on that. Uh, you know, I got my Suzuki incident joke off, and that, that one hit you know pretty high. Um, but it, you know, that whole thing was just like, yo, man, like the crazy part is know, we know who started the thing. Yes, we know who started this. Like, I, I'm not going to shame him on air, but, 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 hopefully, a valuable lesson was learned. Um, so, shouts out to uh, my man Joe Sabo. What's up? Uh, he says, happy ninth anniversary, gents. Who wins the AEW World Title first, CM Punk or Brian Danielson? I'd probably say CM Punk. I will go with Brian Danielson. Okay. I, I just feel like the way they positioned positioned it, um, given that Omega is you know closing in on a at, at this point now, like ten months with the title, um, like for him to go straight to, for him to go straight to Daniel Bryan is almost feels to me as if it's like okay, well he'll get past that one. Brian will you know fall will take his loss and then build back up from there. Whereas like punk is like not even in the title picture. So like mm-hmm. he could, he's built, he's already ahead of the curve as far as building that. Cause I, I don't think that Daniel Bryanson is going to come in and on his first title match in AEW within like three months of debuting, win the title. I don't, th- I don't think Tony Khan books like that. So I just from that perspective in the cycle, I think that CM Punk has a percentage wise, a better chance of winning. I'm sorry. I turned, I aromantically turned this thing into a, a numbers crunch, but that's just me. I, I had the idea that CM Punk would be challenging for the AEW World Title come next All Out in Chicago, like, mm. like that would be like his first like title match, or, or if he doesn't face Punk or whatever, like, or excuse me, uh, face Omega by that time, uh, whoever has the belt at that point, CM Punk will be waiting for them at All Out in Chicago. Um, I don't know if he wins. Um, just well, by that time, that'll be like his 20th time in Chicago and AEW anyway. So yeah, it'd be like yeah. you, you could afford to beat him. It would be like the crowd will riot. Nah, they've seen him plenty. Right. They've seen him plenty. Like my, my reason for picking picking uh, Brian Danielson is like I feel like if he gets this early loss out of the way, like he'll be able to come back to the title if it if it changes his hands. Like if he if it changes his hands, like he's as good as like anyone. Uh, as far as like coming back, like if you need, uh, you know, whoever beats Kenny to have a great match, which if it's Hangman at that point, um, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, I don't know, like, you know, MJF's in the mix, uh, you know, and he's slightly younger than, than Punk. So that's true. Uh, I'll, I'll give Brian the edge. It has in his way, you know, it's in, you know, close, sorry, uh, like he was in the main event of WrestleMania this year. Like he's been out of wrestling for what four months compared to what's four months compared to like seven years. 
Right, right. Um, what's up to uh, Sam, Sir Sam? He says, uh, congrats on the nine years, fellas. If you were making choices, who do you have as the next three AEW champions? And his second question is, what do you think New Japan could do to get a little juice and interest back in its product? As you guys have noted, it feels incredibly stale. Um. Okay, first, first, first three... Or next three uh, AEW World Champions. Ooh, that's difficult. Uh, I'm not going to put it in order, but I will say Hangman, Adam Page, um, MJF. I'm going to say CM Punk as well. I'm going to go Hangman, MJF, Brian. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it just feels like, you know, MJF's always been protected as hell i mean you could even throw adam cole in there too um yeah you could i you know what like i think i think a lot of that us saying mjf and hangman a lot of that is hanging on to like what it was before the price of the brick has like exponentially changed and gone up uh-huh. um like we were talking about you know hazuki's retirement uh, a couple weeks ago as far as like her outlook as far as like she's she is someone that should be a white belt champion but then when they bring in shuri and julia and Nasipoy and like the price of the brick went up. She went from being someone that was a shoe in to someone that like more or less was chilling once Tagley came around 2019. Um, so maybe we're, maybe we're just holding on to like what it would have been had Brian Punk in um, in uh, Cole had not shown up. But so like you know because it, it it's Daniel Bryan to see a Punk man. Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and Adam Cole, like that is, if you were on, if I was gonna start a promotion from scratch, you asked me who I'm gonna pick first out of those five. Punk, Bryan, and Cole are the first three I'm taking. Yeah, they um, I I I would probably put Punk and Bryan, you know, a, a level above, and I would put Cole on par with like Hangman with MJF, like kind of possibly like in his own tier simply because he's like just a heel he fits the the archetype of just a heel champion he could be um i don't know necessarily like when that happens but i I, I think hayman is going to be really over when he comes back and then we'll have to reevaluate him from there but um as far as what do i think new japan could do to get a little juice and interest back in its product i think they need to scale down a little bit like they're they're like no selling essentially all these issues that they've had going bigger venues more shows i don't even know um, if they're doing bigger venues much as that they're doing more venues and big shows i don't know if that's what you mean but yeah like like now they're, they're doing these metlife stadium shows mm-hmm. here Russell kingdom's three fucking days next year uh and it's like i know they have to do that from like the perspective of like they're trying to make a bunch of money up that you know they didn't get um but that doesn't like make for the best experience for the viewer i think right um i think they hey they need the pandemic to end and that's not something that's necessarily in their control but um i think man go back to okada like but like okada's such a uh crowd-based wrestler like 
Right. I don't know if you do that with him right now, like and make him quote unquote go down with the ship. Like it's good to to experiment with, you know, hey, someone like Shingo is win the belt. I never thought Shingo would win the belt just because, you know, whatever. Like, um once evil like won, you know, they you know, anybody could win that belt now. So yeah. I don't way. know. It's it's really tough like to, to, to say what they can do because New Japan is so regimented, like they don't change much. There's always a G one coming. There's always a, a New Japan Cup coming. There's always like so it's like you know the the things you, you have to do things within that structure. You can't necessarily blow it up, um, per se. Um I would elevate Hiromu Takahashi to heavyweight like yeah. fuck that junior division like <laughs> yeah. yeah like sorry like yeah like let Robbie Eagles you know handle that and put you know elevate Hiromu um and they've got, maybe you know reach out to other you know promotions in Japan and I know they don't want to do it uh and there's a lot of like political reasons there's a lot of uh stuff as far as like uh, with TV deals that mm-hmm. that you know going like there's even more politics than like you can imagine, but in a world, imagine if you it could get past that. Like, I would love to see like you know the the great youth wrestlers like your Takeshitas or like Kaito Kimiya or somebody come over to to have a big match on a show or something like that because. As I always mention, this roster is only getting older and only wrestling each other more times. Yeah. Um, yeah, scaling down like they they need to get out of uh, out of the the twenty man G one block. Need to scale that down to like sixteen for now. Um, they need to blow up the. They need to get rid of the. They need everything to be catch weight. They got to get rid of the, the junior division. Either they got to scale down on G one to uh, to sixteen, or they got to get rid of the 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 division. Either throw throw Yo and in Takahashi in there. Oh, fire Dinko as well. Up. Oh yeah, as well. Yeah, get rid of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you, so yeah, I would say that stuff. Um, and like you mentioned, like the the two nights of shows or whatever else, like. No. No. Like, if y'all need if if y'all need to have Dominion or uh the base or the Jingu baseball park or MetLife, whatever else, like either find a bigger venue than the baseball field. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if that, I'm saying I don't know if it makes sense to me to say y'all need to do four Tokyo Dome uh shows in a in a uh in a year, but you're already doing three and they're gonna be back to back to almost uh, to back, uh, instead of spreading those shits out, uh, if you're you know still, you're still worried about capacity, um, but like they have watered down their cards so much for their big events that like it just it it just doesn't feel like the, the New Japan who used to watch where you see like you know on a show you're going to see like three to five great matches like on a card now you're going to get like. You're gonna get like whatever nonsense in the open in the first two. The the card actually starts, and then like the uh, you get the mid card stuff. That's always good normally, depending on who's in it. Like if you know, <laughs> also destroy King of Pro Wrestling. Get the fuck get at the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
but like and then you know you go to intermission and you have your uh, your two your semi-main event and your main event um yeah like i would you know like but them having to do so much wrestling over the weekend to spread these rock, these t- guys out that were like one person's big match on the weekend the next and then like the next day like they're in a multi-person tag match like not x86 that shit like there's ways it's it, you're watering down your product I understand that you are a live gate business uh model but like it's it's kind of similar to when we talk about like uh like the quality of the quality dropping so low and being thinned out that like is less attractive to people who want to buy a ticket. I feel like we've hit, I feel like we reached that point in New Japan. Um, so I feel like they need to strengthen like their their one night of a card and try to draw as many people into a big building with low capacity uh, that's on the capacity uh, restriction than them saying uh, we're just going to throw some out this water down and and cut with Similac and <laughs> send it out to the people. Yeah. Um. So they also they also need to like uh need to whatever is going on with their guidance their top guidance they need to rectify that because they're all not there they're all in New Japan strong they're all in they're all over in America it's like it, hey because if they don't I got a feeling I know where they all gonna end up yeah uh and I was interested because I was looking at um their J- Japan's vaccination rate in like. They're remarkably similar to ours as far as like the numbers, as far as one shot or fully vaccinated. And like we got, we had access to, um, like the beginning of the year, we had access. They didn't get, they didn't have like a lot of people to have, you know, um, accessibility to it until like the spring. And like they have caught up to us. And like there's mm. never been like a cutoff in as far as the trajectory of like the rate of, of, uh, of people going in to get vaccinated. It's still like a, almost like a 40 degree, 45 degree line as far as more people being vaccinated where us it's like we have tailed off and we are like almost damn a straight line uh so maybe they can hold on and get more people enough people vaccinated um because they're in like the the mid 50s right now maybe they can get themselves you know maybe they could get themselves at 70 um by the end of the year who knows and then, like, if that happens, and you know, I think a lot of this stuff changes, but they still have to like have better uh, matches beyond like the fact that they don't have a, uh, um, they only have clap uh, crowds because like I watch I watch Japanese wrestling that has all clap crowds too, and like something about these ma- they need to like refocus or relearn that like these matches don't need to go super long. Um, that's hurting them. Like they've never changed their outlook on going super long when, with these clap crowds. And like, you know, that's hurt Okada. Obviously, he clearly has not learned how to adjust to that. Aside from a few, you know, <clears throat> flashes of brilliance the last two years. Yeah. Um. So Dre Zara, you said uh, the Sheamus and Rollins debate. Uh, we actually covered that last week at the very end of the show. If you didn't catch it, uh, so we're gonna move on to uh, at. Ma- Mazzy Versetti. So he says, "What are you guys' current feelings on the? What are you guys' feelings on the current surge of black wrestling fans, such as myself, speaking up from all sides of wrestling about other black wrestlers' current booking and black talent independent booking?" Things cool. Things great. I mean, I don't. Those be those be negative that like more black people are into or expressing their frustration with the fact that like. Wrestling is just like every other uh, form of entertainment in the world. No, it's like 
they're speak they're speaking the tr- they're speaking the truth in their frustration with like not seeing themselves represented in what they watch, even though like you look historically at you know numbers for 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 black people and for uh, Latino people and like proportion like proportions to like the the uh, their white audience and like see the like. We show up and show up and watch this shit, but we never get, you know, ourselves really watching that. So get to see ourselves on the screen is kind of weird. Um, so, so yeah, like, I'm glad more people are talking about it. I wish more white people that are in positions of power that are, that are willing to listen or whatever else. Like, for me, like, you look at wrestling, and I watch enough wrestling now over, you know, the last... Uh, well, let's say this way. The last couple years watching Stardom has really changed my perspective on wrestling, where I used to think, like, where you going to find, like, the, you know, you would, you would see, like, you know, the PCers or whatever else that they get from all these different backgrounds, and they'll think, like, all right, well, if you get enough of these guys that can do X, Y, and Z athletically, then you can go out and do something. It's like, nah, man, they need reps. Like, it's cool that you can bench. It's cool that you can, um, you can jerk up 350 pounds, but... It's kind of it's almost like the Kevin Durant thing with the bench press at, at, at combine. It's like, who, who gives a fuck if he can bench and press 185 pounds? Like he has dribble basketball. I understand wrestling's a little bit more as far as you know moving <clears> his <throat> body weight and that kind of thing and explosion. But like the best the best predictor if you're going to be good in the ring is like have enough reps to be good in the ring. And mm-hmm. um, like watching Stardom and seeing the rate of improvement of their wrestlers and, like, also, like, thinking about, like, the, the athleticism, uh, the, in the athleticism department compared to the counterparts of PC and see that, like, they fucking start lap and every, almost every fucking Joe, she, Dojo, like, laps them as far as improvement rate. It's like, yeah, there's something going on here that doesn't quite make sense. Uh, so, like, it has to be the reps and seriousness of, like, the way we, you know, promote and push black indie talent and female um, indie talent to where they can reach, you know, certain levels um, in the macro. So, you know, I feel like when, you know, people pro- point out their frustrations with, uh, you know, major American professional wrestling is point. I was like, Hey, you mean to tell me that in a fake sport where uh, people do, uh, do athletic feats and then like, but it's mostly about like having uh, swagger and charisma there is a dearth of like black faces on your television. What? <laughs> what what, what other realm of entertainment does that make sense or exist? That that's not music. No. <laughs> we created every popular genre the last fifty fucking years or sixty years. What do you want to say? Like uh, sports? I'm sorry. What? I like. I remember um, when we had Super Vivi on television not television, on our show, maybe a year or two ago, when we were talking about it, I was like, you mean to tell me, like, they found all these, uh, all these P-series, all these athletic backgrounds, you mean to tell me you can't find some dude that's, uh, that was like a former four-star recruit that's about to go to, uh, Canadian Football League that they can't find out from Florida State or, because they're in, because, you know, they're based on, from Miami or from Florida State or from Florida or, or from wherever else, FIU, FAU, to come in and, like, obviously, you know, has a character about or, or has a um a presence about them no man like this is not this cannot be that hard it just can't honestly yeah. i'm not saying that everybody needs to be the fucking rock i'm sure there's only one of those but like <laughs> there's got to be a number of something that's maybe not that bright of a star but stars regardless like trust me 
like during that ain't the only Bianca Belair in existence. I, I my um I have a late cousin that that was Bianca Belair before it was Bianca Belair. Right, so like, and that's the reason why I liked her so much because she reminds me of my cousin. I miss her to death. Um, so like when I think of that, and she's also a track star with the fourth state, but like there's also that at play too. Um, of just like where are you looking, and you know, there's issues with Mark Henry, but Mark Henry seems to find these people. Yeah, um, Booker T seems that to goes, find these people. That go that goes to Jade too. Um, like I think he was involved in that uh, Booker, as you mentioned, like. You know, um, it's all about where people are kind of getting in. Uh, we, we talked about on this show a lot about like how wrestling, like many other businesses, are it's like a who, you know, uh, where can you get yeah. in? Who'd you come up with kind of thing? And the encouraging thing that I've seen on the independent scene, I think lately is like a lot of people taking matters into their own hands. They're like, all right, if there's no show that's going to book us, we're going to like set up our own fucking promotion. Like, Mm -hmm. and that to me is like the spirit of like Emmy Sakura or something like, okay, I'm going to go start Gato move like shit like that. Like, like I don't feel sorry for people that like have are that are trying to like, there's all these meme wrestlers that are, trying to you know basically start like why won't pwg book me and all this other shit i'm like i i don't think emmy sakura would cry about not getting booked in pwg they would start their own shit or find you know a way to do it on their own um i think it's cool for fans i think um I, i've seen some of the hashtags lately like the black wrestling draws stuff uh on twitter i have not participated um in it because my only thing about that is like all right where does it end like I, the, sometimes I think the hashtagging can be a bit corny uh, myself and it's like, all right, will you be doing this a month from now? Will you, what shows are you doing this for? Oh, you're, you have to keep up with all of them. It's like, it's not our responsibility to, to fix it. Quote unquote, uh, much like anything else like that, that ever comes with race or anything. It's not my like it's not on us to quote unquote show up to support like it's for them, the the people that are in charge to make that change that we're not in charge. Like we, we can influence stuff as far as like the booking and uh, who we cheer for and stuff like that. But it's um for me, like the it, it feels a little performative at times, like the the uh, the hashtagging and like trying to get people like you know like watching certain certain things just because i'm like all right it has to be all or nothing for one and it's just like i don't consider myself looking for wrestling to solve society's issues (laughs) personally um but yeah, that that that's just my thought on it. Like, I think it's cool that 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 more black wrestling fans like are are uh, basically jumping on Twitter and like becoming like personalities amongst themselves. And you know, like, there's a lot of different types of like fans, which is you know a cool thing. You know, that are into different things. And I think the differences are needed because like black people are not a monolith. So, <laughs> ain't that the truth? <sighs> um, I guess I'll clip that for um, <laughs> you know, our clip this week. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Um, I think that was the last question on Twitter. I believe there was something in Discord that was pretty interesting. Um, 
so uh mj does pr he just says uh this is his question uh, happy anniversary thanks for all the effort everything you guys do um he sent um <laughs> in an nwa ranking uh mwa put out a uh they were proud that camille's in the top five of the pwi women's official overall ranking for two weeks in a row um he wanted us to discuss Camille's ranking versus Utami. Utami is number four. Camille is number two. Um, and the JML throw in more baffled at, at Becky being number one for 26 seconds of work. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Like, I've seen Camille Russell one time ever, and I thought she was completely carried by uh, Layla Hirsch um, in that match. Um... And like that was a and that was a really good match, but like that was all, that would have been like the third best match on like the Stardom show that was like six hours later, and that was like a house show level show that they put on. Like that was the same show that had like uh, the the Takumi's first match against Micah, um, and then like the the high speed belt match uh, between Natsupoy and uh, and Starlight Kid. Um. So. I'll say this, um, and this is actually probably a good transition, and this wasn't on the sheet or anything, talk about the PWI 500. Um, the, P- the PWI stuff is not as far away as you guys think it is. This is like, like the people that are on these committees are not your 35-year journalists like it used to be um that have been doing this since like 1990 and um shit like that you have newer people with different and i don't say this to say it as a bad thing but they have different agendas um that they're doing when they're putting these pwi rankings together we have started seeing some joshi pop up in there um which is actually kind of a testament to it but it's obviously never going to get the amount of play as like American women in right. like um or American wrestlers uh even uh, in general. But uh their their top ten right now is Becky Lynch, Camille, Deanna Perrazzo, Utami, Starlight Kid, Britt Baker six, Bianca Belair seven, Raquel number eight, nine, Charlotte, ten, Mickey James. And I'm like that's all over the place. Why would Starlight Kid be in front of, like, say, Julie or Tam Nakano? Or Shuri? Right. And I, I think it may be, well, you know, some of those people even have titles. Like, Shuri has a title. Yeah. Um, like, Shuri so, has two titles. She's a tag champion, and she's the uh, the Gaijin, and she's the SWA champion. So, like, keep in mind, like, um, I would encourage anybody that's, like, baffled about, like, those PWI rankings, like, look who's on those committees, find their Twitter accounts, and just take a look and say, oh, I get it. So, like, <laughs> like if it's me, like, if there's, like, a women's wrestling, like, thing, right? Like, I feel like if we worked really hard, I could get James on, like, the PWI women's wrestling. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, like, it's not that far away. Like, sure, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Week to week. To week or like you know when they come out you know they're going to come out with the PWI women's 100 or whatever right like for example right like i saw that Trish Adora was uh i think she was the highest ranking woman in the PWI for this year right i think it was like 44 or something like that. and 
like I've never seen a wrestle. I've only heard the name for like the last since last year, but I've never seen a wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, you know, I, 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 I've never heard anybody talk about her as far as saying like she's some. But it's a kayfabe list, so match quad doesn't really work or matter or whatever else. But like she's worked a lot of places, but like these are smaller places. Like so for me, like I don't know how that works, but like whatever like that list is always gonna be wonky like she's one of like a bunch of lists that don't make much sense right like like to see her see the some of the new japan rankings like compared to tanahashi last year or the last like calendar year that's also wonky too like it's always stuff like that um mm-hmm. but going back to the women it's just like you're just never going to get a, a accurate thing like if you're in if you're on the main roster, if you're in NXT, if you're um, in AEW, you have a huge advantage compared to your competitors. Like, but I would say after that, though, like it makes no sense anybody would like would be in front of like top stars and stardom. Like, it don't really make much sense that like a lot of the wrestlers that are on this list are in front of the top stars stars and stardom. Like, for example, there was um the 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 back to the NBA show that Camille's on. Um, that show that they had, I think it was like a thousand people was their draw. That's what they drew for that mm-hmm. show. Or in the low thousand, right? And I'm thinking to myself, like, if Stardom wasn't in the middle of a pandemic, like, they'd be doing it, like, every three weeks at Cork and Hall. Like, they were doing, they were they were selling out Cork and Hall that's like, seven, you know, 17, 1800 people until the pandemic came and kicked their ass. And, like, even then, like, you still have, like, these... Uh, Yokohama Budokan shows these Osaka uh, Joe Hall shows not Osaka Joe Hall but Osaka Idian Arena shows um, the Sendai show the Budokan Hall show where they're pulling in a thousand people for the pay-per-view like so if it's about impact on a global level is it just because you people on the side of the world and you, you don't really outside of the mind like I understand that but it's like they also allow like I don't really know like they're out wrestling everybody. They're drawing more than like their their contemporaries in a smaller country. Like, goddamn, what do they need to do? Uh, if it's a language barrier and the time difference, I get it. But like, they're just better. And I don't mean that for just stardom. You see, I'm a stardom mark. That's fine. But it's like, line them up. Like, you give me your t- you give me your ten best wrestlers uh, from north from Western uh, women's wrestling. And you put them against like the rest the the ten best wrestlers in Joshi. How would that even go? It it would not be pretty, um, to like, say the least. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like Stardom is a is a, you know, and I'm not, it's not even just Stardom; it's also Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like they're drawing big shows. Like they're third from the top at uh, in freaking um, uh, that Saitama Arena for um that gigantic Cyber Fest thing. They had a great match. It's one of the best matches of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so like I was saying, like um, keep in mind the agendas that are at play in a lot of these things. Um, but yeah, I guess we might as well just roll over to the PWI 500 um, right. and go from the top ten on there. So, um, number ten was Rich Swan, um, held the Impact title uh, for a great part of the marking period. Had that match with Kenny Omega on pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had pinned Moose uh, at a certain point uh, to basically uh, win both of those belts. Um, and he uh, headlined, or he was in a main event of like Fur Culture or something like that. 
Okay. Uh, number nine, Shingo Takagi. So Shingo, uh, he he won the IWGB title for the first time. He's beat Suzuki. Um, he defended the Never title. He had an awesome reign with that. In the meantime, he had an awesome had a great match. Great G one. Yeah, great G one had a or was probably the best wrestler in the G one. Um, had a great uh, you know match in the, in the uh, uh, I'm gonna say Kingdom Dome in the Tokyo Dome on uh, January fifth. Yep. Like that was that was New Japan's best show of this year. He had the second best match. Yep. Some people argue <clears throat> the best match. Number eight, Finn Balor. Um, so he pinned Adam Cole uh, to win the NXT title on September eighth of last year. Uh, he beat yep. Pete Dunne in a in the title match. He had a couple great matches with Kyle O'Reilly. Yep. Um, this is probably like the the best Finn Balor I I had ever seen. Oh um, yeah, not run. even close. Easily the best Finn Balor I've ever saw in the <laughs> WWE. Like this, like it. Look, you want to rank them? You want to rank the Finn Balor uh, runs? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Number one, 2019 to 2021 NXT. Yep. Number two, his first run in NXT. Yep. <laughs> Way at the fucking bottom. Outside of like the first month in WWE on the main roster, that yeah, yeah. Um, number seven, Will Ospreay. Uh, so he defeated uh, Kota Ibushi uh, in you know the Sakura Genesis main event to win yeah. the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Title for the first time. Um, he basically had a feud with uh, with. Uh, Tenzan and Kojima and a couple of the other older guys. He had a great match with Shingo. <clears throat> yep. Had a great match with Shingo. Um, he also um, uh, had basically won the New Japan Cup earlier this year. So uh, Osprey had a very strong year. Had arguably the best not... match. Had arguably the best match at Wrestle uh, Kingdom this year against Okada. Yep. He um, also, you know, had he not broke his neck, he probably could have been <laughs> even higher on had his Had he list. not broke so... his neck. So. I believe he's back wrestling. That's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. Said, yeah, bro, I broke my neck. I'll be back in a couple of months. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, so shout out to him. Um, number six, John Moxley um, from AEW. He beat MJF uh, in, in a match. He uh, basically defended against Eddie Kingston as well. Um, headline that um, the winner is coming show with Kenny. Defend the IWGP US title a bunch against Kenta and um, Carl Anderson before finally dropping it to Archer. Um, Defended against Darby Allen, uh, you know, formed a tag team Eddie Kingston. Did a lot of stuff uh, in his, like, you know, we always worry about the indie stuff. What, what do you, yes, indie stuff. He uh, headlined Bloodsport with um, uh, Josh Barnett. The GCW stuff. Um, so the cool thing about Moxley is like wrestling he, in New Japan dance. Yes. Like he they found something for him to do after being the champion, which is like being a always, great champion. Great yeah. champion. Yeah, which is always like a uh that's a key indicator on how good of a booker you are, I think. Um and it it was pretty cool to see that. Uh number five, Kota Ibushi. Uh, he defeated Naito in night one of the Dome, defeated Jay White uh, on the very next night. Still one of my favorite matches of the year. Um, and he kind of had um, – he, he won the G1 um, the company year. The, the company made uh, made him be the scapegoat for them one to change the fucking title lineage, so that hurt him. 
Yeah, that that did hurt him. Um, also, like his, you know, he lost the title shot, so there was a lot that that went on with the Bushi. Yeah, it's amazing that he actually ended up at five because um, yeah. he had a lot of like stuff working against him. Like he's got all the kayfabe accomplishments, but everything around Bushi just kind of felt weird. Yeah. Uh, number four, Drew McIntyre. Um, he beat Randy Orton in a no DQ match in uh, November to regain the uh, WWE title at a certain point. He beat Goldberg at the Royal Rumble. Um, he beat Sheamus in a, in a match at Fastlane that was awesome. Um, he defended the title in the Elimination Chamber. Uh, and then, like, they sent his ass to WrestleMania and beat him and <laughs> kept beating him over and over to the point where people were tired of him. But this guy is flat out one of the best heavyweights wrestlers that has ever been in WWE. Yep. Yeah, he's he's been great. Like, <clears throat> we only watch, you know, we, we hear the stuff about what happens week to week on SmackDown and Raw, but, like, we watch, we religiously watch these pay-per-views, and, like, he always has something for us, which is really hard to do in Vince Man's like, professional wrestling circus because he doesn't really care about the professional wrestling. Yep. Um, and there was also a wild TLC match he had with AJ Styles and The Miz um, back in December. Okay. So um, number three was Bobby Lashley. Uh, Lashley also had a had a good run this last year, insanely protected all throughout like the yeah. PC and Thunderdome era. Uh, won the WWE title for the first time from The Miz on a cash or kind of a cash, and he was kind of forced into giving a shot. It was weird how they did it. Uh, beat Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Um, ended up beating uh, McIntyre and Strowman in that wild ass three way before they yeah. fire Braun and Strowman. Um, <laughs> he won the U.S. title in the marking period. He formed a faction before they broke it up. That was pretty cool. Uh, probably the best year of his career. In, yeah, in WWE at least, definitely. Yeah. Um, don't really get to see so much about what people say they like about all the stuff with. MVP and the women and changing out and the, and the melodrama between like Cedric Alexander and um, and Shelton Benjamin or whatever but like he dresses the part, he wrestles the part they love him, they protect the shit out of him, he, he does well and his matches are good for the most part that's success for me in WWE <laughs> <laughs> the bar is low that's, that's, that's a success like they don't, like he tries hard and they don't fuck him up, like that's yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he'll always try hard. Um, number two, Roman Reigns, the big dog. He um, came back and uh, beat The Fiend and Braun Strowman and Triple Threat at Payback last year. Uh, that was his fifth world title. Um, he beat Edge and Daniel Bryan, stacked them on top of each other at WrestleMania. Uh, he's killed Kevin Owens, beat the brace off him pretty much every time they fought. Cesaro, great match. Uh, Yep, had a great match with Cesaro. Essentially retired Daniel Bryan from WWE. In what might have been in that's that's a top five Roman match. Uh, he beat Drew McIntyre uh, last year, and he's he's run rough shot. They've like the 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 big rain that we always said was coming. Oh, this is it, right? Except here. he's like, a hill. Yeah, the kids like the the big the big run for the top guy in the company for a can for a returning cancer survivor trying to be as a hill. Who, this company can fuck up a cup of coffee, like they fuck <laughs> fuck up Daniel Bryan, fuck up Roman Reigns, and then they both have run, they both have their runs coming back as heels, not as baby faces. Becky Lynch coming back as being the top baby faces company, company in like uh, since Daniel Bryan, the most over baby faces Daniel Bryan comes back as a heel no immediately. Ladies. 
that has no legs. Like, there's no, like, weight underneath that shit. At least Roman, uh, there was an article on Deadspin I read about it. It was really good. Said at least, like, Roman, like, with him being a heel, it's like, I think they kind of freestyle some of this shit, but they said it's the paranoia of, like, Roman never being accepted before. That's why he's so hard into this acknowledge me stuff like acknowledge me being this top star i'm like all right works for me if you say it like that that's becky, almost like the like, um what's it called it's like becky like doing this this heel thing now it's like nah man like like you earned it like like you got over with us now you're just being a like a, a wrestling heel now like like there's not much to it yeah um but, yeah, but as far but, as roman like i feel like you know his matches are hit and miss, but when they do hit, like, they are some of the best matches of his career, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, I think that he gets himself in trouble when he does too much of the monologue or rest hold or, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But, like, by the time, you know, a lot of these matches, like a lot of Daniel Bryan, some of the Cesaro stuff, these are some of his best matches of his career. So, you know, um, I think I think I probably would say this was the best run of his career outside of maybe uh, the 2016 stuff where he was doing a lot of cool stuff with AJ Styles and in in Seth, but um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say given the history of what PWI is, he's someone that merited being a you know top two. Yeah, um, I, and essentially he I think only got beat by the the formula that. The number one guy put together, um, which was fucking genius if you think about it. Um, but number one, Kenny Omega, um, the the combo of being like a world champion in three companies, uh, that's kind of the cheat code, and that's going to help him a lot come award season as well. I think he's a shoe in for Flair Thez, has an outside shot at most outstanding if he keeps it up. Um, if the G one like kind of doesn't go the way we think. <laughs> It can go. Well, I mean, with with Osprey gone, I mean, there were only two real threats would be what Abushi, Shingo, Abushi, and um, Shingo, Abushi, and Ishi. Yeah, the, the, um, the normal three best wrestlers in the fucking thing, you know, or the last couple of years anyway. So yeah, um, so he, he beat John Moxley for the AW World Title, and winner is coming. He drew a big rating on that. Beat Rich Swan for the Impact Title. Um, defended the uh, AAA belt against Laredo Kid in Triple Mania last year. Um, retained the AW title in a three-way against Pac and Arch Gasly. Won the Exploding Barbed Wire Death Match, um, and had a great match with Jungle Boy on TV. Uh, Ray Phoenix, like uh, he's quite frankly been incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, and like the people that even have opportunity to, to even like match him match wise, like they're not gonna have the they're not gonna have the um, they're not gonna be like in promotions that are gonna be get that kind of visibility to even win it. Like Shuri, Tam, Mayu, Takumi, Aroha, Romain, yeah, Takumi she started so late uh, after she blew out her knee, but like the people that, that could actually probably possibly catch her, like no one like I don't even know where Mayu finished last year. And like yeah. my my you should have been like in the top three or four for that thing. Yeah, I, I, and I think what um what's been really notable about Kenny is uh, in comparison to Roman is like Roman Reigns feels like he's really got no challengers or anyone that's even like and nobody's the threat whatsoever. Nobody's the threat. And I think a lot of people are kind of evaluating um Roman Reigns' title reign wrong. Um 
Like, I think they are all concerned with who's going to beat Roman when there ain't nobody. That's not the objective here. No. Like, the objective is like you're riding with Roman Reigns, like through the roster. Um, and, but, and that's also a thing of like, because you hear about how slow this all is evolving with like with his cousins, and you're kind of like, do people just feel like this is better than it's ever been for Roman? So they're afraid to say that like, yeah, this is kind of like needs to speed up. Because mm-hmm. like, what's like obviously everybody feels like what's next or whatever else because everybody is fantasy booking in their mind. But like when people constantly press this like who's next to 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 take it off of him, it's kind of like well. Does that mean that y'all are over this already? <laughs> yeah, y'all gotta tell thing, me. Because thing for me is like, I watch him once a month. I normally enjoy the shit out of his matches. So, like, keep from from my perspective, like when people talk about how they're sick of Drew, I'm mean, like, I can't, I can't fucking fathom what the fuck y'all are watching on these sun on these month these Tuesday. I'm sorry, these um these Mondays and Friday shows to where like when he comes Sunday and he, he goes out there and scores forty, y'all say I'm tired of him dropping forty every month for me. Who the fuck else is doing these numbers? Right. Um, you want the Miz? <laughs> I was gonna say like you want almost fucking wrong with you. In comparison to Roman's dominance, like and him being that, like Kenny's a completely different kind of heel champion yeah. with callus and everything like that, where it's like more about elevating people, like whether it's your jungle boys, your your young guys, being in the ring with Dante Martin or something like that, like yeah. selling for them and making them look credible and still maintaining your own credibility. And then, you know, doing what we did with Christian in both of those matches. Yeah. Um it's just like, and it also. I, I think Kenny's degree of difficulty is like way more. Um, like he's covering more bases than just be dominant. Yeah, um, and I think it's also another part is like the promotion, the relationship with the fans and the promotion. Like, you could tell Roman. I mean, you could tell Roman to go out there and you know do stuff, do some of the stuff he did with Brian, where like you give him alibi, you give him some bell of like, all right, he had him tapped out, but you know his back was turned or whatever else, that kind of stuff. Like give, give the fans actual hope that like, there's someone who's actually going to come along and supplant that dude. Um, but like, we know, we know what it is with this company. Like they have, this is the run. Like we mentioned, like they, and there's no shame in that. Like he's your top guy. So push him like he's your top guy, but like, don't, don't, but no one that's, no one that is, is honestly watching this thing. Like he's getting X, Y, or Z over. It's not, it's, this is like he's having his some of his best. He's, I think he's the best he's ever been technically in the ring. But like this is for him, and there's no shame with it being for him. Like when we talk about, especially earlier in the year or earlier in the AEW's run, we we're talking about like how come how come Cody and the Young Bucks and and Kenny are the top stars of his fucking company aside from Jericho and Moxie? Why not put himself as the top stars? Like this is his time now. So like go ahead, run run go through with like a hot knife through butter. I don't give a fuck, and because I, I enjoy most of his matches. But like I think for the perspective of like. The relationship with the fans is like people believe that like there will be a time for the people that Kenny is facing. Nobody really believes that there's a time for like the people that for the Daniel Bryans, the the Edges, the Cesaros, uh, the Kevin Owens, like that. There, those people aren't going to become. That don't exist. That, like, yeah, there, it's, 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 it's nothing. There's nothing to look forward to. Like the only real glimmer of hope was just fucking went, went to Raw and became champion there. They're, they're right. not gonna face each other and, and unless until it's time for the exhibition in November. So it's like okay, yeah. And like it's almost like your classic 
<laughs> Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan uh, in real time, but uh, kind of both of them being heels. So they're, they have the same role, but massively different objectives, it looks yeah. like, from the company. So yeah. uh, pretty interesting to see that, that they went uh, Kenny number one. And I, I figured that's, that's you know, your, your kayfabe accomplishments, like, uh, you know, Go, going nuts right there. It's a mix with the match quality, the wins, uh, the protection, uh, all that uh, in one. Um, there's, you know, like I would encourage you guys to check out PWI 500. It's just a, uh, it's a cool little tool uh, just to look at everyone in the world, kind of, you know, who's on par with who uh, or who's considered on par with who. But it's a, uh, it's, it's a funny you know, list at times, like when you see Hiroshi Tanahashi at like 62, which is like just fun. What? Um, uh, It'd be one thing if like he hadn't won championships during that period, but he did. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> so Jay Uso over Seth Rollins, stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, Darby, shout out to him uh, over Naito. Darby uh, 14, Naito is 15. So, um, well, a lot of just uh, interesting things there. Uh, I think I saw a Hangman in the 30s, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. Yes. Hangman page 34, Jay White 39, Pac 33, uh, Daniel Bryan 36, Cold 37, uh, Miro 38. That's a loaded like little area right there. So, um, pretty interesting. All right. So uh, where are we off to next? Um, they had a segment with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, essentially. Um, okay, so laying it out. Uh, hold on, hold on. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. So we're going to talk about AEW. So now, like, when I search through here so I can find timestamps, I can find me saying AEW, and then we can go from here as opposed to, like, trying to scroll through. All right, all right, yeah. So let's go ahead with with the, uh, I guess, this week in AEW. Yeah, so um, big rating, uh, second biggest rating in the history of the show. Beat Raw on the demo. I think they did a .53, I think. Uh, I would have to check uh, on that, or it was .56. It was one to two. But 1.3 something in total viewers, absolutely insane. Um, They had, uh, you know, it looks like there's a collision course for uh, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, uh, Cole's got his first match this week against Frank Kazarian. Uh, that's going to be probably pretty good. Um, trying to think some of the other stuff that, that happened. It's all blur, uh, kind of, kind of for me. There was a Pac and, um, Andrade match uh, that was pretty great until the finish. Of course, they had to do some foolishness. It looks like the door is open maybe for Ric Flair, um, to enter the promotion, uh, on behalf of Andrade. Um, we're not going to talk about how like um, the episode of Rampage on Friday is basically like network NXT. Uh, feel free, feel free to uh, break it down. For I us. mean, we got notable NXT alums like Brian Danielson. You got Ruby, <laughs> like Ruby uh, Soho. Uh, you have 
two former NXT uh, champions and, and Pac and Andrade going at it. Um, it, you know, like it's a really, the, uh, the women's ma- uh, trios match was very fun. Um, and that normally fig- like fit works as like that second really good match on a, on a one hour, uh, old NXT, t- uh, network, uh, WWE network takeover or, uh, episode of NXT. And then they had, um, their main event in the, in the opener, but like their main event was more or less like Andrade versus Pac, and it was fantastic, and it was great. And then, and then because it wasn't a big show, someone came out there for the fuck finish. Like that, that was that was that was real NXT. Except it was at a way bigger venue. That was that was all the NXT. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I was like, it was it was it was um a really fun uh, Friday show. I I you know, and a lot of people have. You know, had some concerns and worries about Andrade. Is he still the kind of the guy that he was that we had saw from you know two thousand you know eighteen and two thousand nineteen um, on the main roster wrestling like Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles and yeah still that same guy still that same guy. Um, him and Pac like whenever they have their real full match with a complete finish, it's going to be fantastic. Malachi Black destroyed Dustin Rhodes. Um, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes was awesome. That match was great. I love that match. <laughs> He's just you know. Old is, man Dustin. Is Dustin still better than Cody? Yes. As a worker. Yeah. Yes. I, I think so too. I think yes. so. Um if he has this is the one time you pull him out, you pull Dustin out once or twice a year and you tell him to like go get killed for his brother or whoever's <laughs> about to fight his brother, you you, you bring him in and it yeah. just works. Um yeah. like there was there was a, a sequence in that match where um after the you know the Randy Orton back suplex through the table, um, they end up back in the ring and um, Dust is using his length to his advantage um, and he's you know getting some shots in and then like systematic Malachi is just like I love it. I love how he wrestles in AEW he just just he just systematically breaks motherfuckers down like I can't uh, but anyway he um. He starts hitting calf kicks on on Dustin, and then Dustin all of a sudden co- mouse will come back, and he goes for a power bomb on Malachi, and he can't get him up because his foot's because his leg is too beat up from calf kicks, and then uh, like Malachi just goes and gives him a back body drop, and then Dustin turns the back body drop into a uh, into a you know a sunset a sunset flip pin, and I was like, God damn, like. <laughs> Fucking work. That man that man is 79 years old. It can still work. <laughs> so it looks like we got a, a CM Punk and Team Taz uh kind of feud about to jump off. And yeah. It's uh it's, you know, he Punk has mentioned wanting to wrestle Starks and Hobbs before, so yeah. Um see how that plays out. Uh, it was an awesome promo in the ring. And it, it pretty much Taz was like, "Hey man, let, let's stop, let's stop all the pleasantries. Let, let's get to the shits, you know." And uh, I appreciate that. Um, Dante Martin, Will Hobbs looks like um, you know this was a showcase kind of for to get Hobbs on the board. Yeah, uh, Hobbs is actually ranked number two now. And um, really, he, yeah, he I think you know he he's obviously not getting the title shot, but he's gonna fight CM Punk. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of good too. And um, Dante Martin and him, uh, Don, that spot where they did where he jumped over the ropes and he got he essentially he hung himself on the ropes and then he got thrown into the post. I've never seen that before. Same, same. I was talking to Imp about that while we reviewed uh, Dynamite on Thursday, and I was like, I've. 
I've never seen it before. I thought it was super creative. I thought it was um, a great feat of athleticism and timing because like one thing goes wrong and it's like he just falls through and just, it turns to a a, a tope. Um, Watchmania. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it got it got kind of wonky t- going towards the finish, but like he beats him with a uh, with a huge uh, spine buster, um, and yeah, like I think that Dante Martin's role as this spectacular guy that you know that loses eventually like he'll get a lot of sympathy behind him and like and he could you know we'll see where he goes like i'm not saying he's gonna be darby because darby did a lot of crazy shit this you know uh to get to that spot but like there is a there is a role for being the, the likable baby face that does create that does like really spectacular stuff but ultimately ends up getting whooped and we'll see where it goes after that like just you know i think that i think him and his brother will be future tag champs i think that's almost a lock yeah once once, once darius comes back uh, MJF puts on like a highlight reel level um, performance yes. uh, on the mic. Just decides like, yo, I'm about to shit on the entire city of Cincinnati as a staff record label and a crew. Uh, I'm about to handle the Pillmans that are sitting in front row and anybody else who walks out here. And this is a perfect way, I think, for him to uh, come out in the aftermath of his loss uh, to Jericho or to Jericho at the pay-per-view. Just on to some new shit and him doing what he does best, just just ranking on motherfuckers. Yeah, and he's gonna beat Pillman Jr. Yeah, yeah, he beats him, and then he's and he also sows the seeds with Wardlow a little bit more. Um, talks about it, you know, told him to go stand in the corner, and look pretty. Wardlow ain't like that shit. Was was reacting a little slow, and you know, one day, well, you know, one day it's gonna it's gonna be on between MJF and Wardlow. Yeah. Um, Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter went at it. Uh, this was okay. I think they were, they probably could have a better match. Uh, it was a weird botch but, at the end. Like it was, I, from what I, from what I saw, you know, there was some type of attempt or a, or a fit or a counter or a block attempt of a reverse Hurricane Rana. And then it just went cattywampus and, and they hit, they both hit the mat. Um, I thought that like, because, uh, they were, basically inside the ring facing a corner um i thought that like ruby was trying to re- do a reverse rana and then like jamie was supposed to hold her on her back and she was going to alabama slam her into the turnbuckle but like it, it, it just all fell apart and they both fell on top of each other yep uh we had ftr and charlotte spears against the dark order i have no memory of this this was pretty boring but only served to further the um the dark order uh, little internal war they're having, uh, trusting each other, which I assume won't be settled until Hangman comes back to unite them all. Yeah, um, I, I did like. Um, it wasn't much of a match, but I did like uh, John Silver's hot tag because he has a great hot tag. Yep. <clears throat> um, good to see FTR not having career-ending injuries either. Um, that- so we talked about the segment a little bit with uh, Danielson and Omega and the Elite. Uh, Cole came out. Uh, he did get to it with Tony Schiavone, which is pretty funny. Um, he called him a nerd repeatedly. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. He's such a he is such a uh, a I don't even know how to say it. I guess the he is such an unsophisticated villain. A simple minded, a simple minded no, badass. No. No, nah, he's just he's a jerk. Like he's like it's not even about like coming up with witty stuff. He's just a jerk that gets angry and blows his stack. Yep. 
this segment uh, ends with the babyface army kind of coming out there with with Brian um, scuffle with, with Kenny Omega and um, this Daniel or Brian Danielson is is going to be a lot different than Daniel Bryan. I think we don't have to worry about him being some all shucks type of guy. He's like he's carrying himself like he's a bad motherfucker. Like and he'll fuck you up, like either with his feet or with his holds. It's kind of cool and refreshing. Um, and I, I think whenever him and Kenny get to it, it's going to be a masterpiece. Whatever happens. So, um, in color was was awesome. They beat the shit out of that man at the end. And then we got John Moxley, Minoru Suzuki. Um, of course, you guys know they cut off. Uh, the, they, this show was like running long. It seemed like I don't know where you know the the long running was, but all show it was like it, it just felt like things were mistimed. It was like how are they going to get all this in? And then uh, they cut off the Kaizen Ninare, which sent people into hysterics. Um, and Suzuki didn't look happy. But Wild Thing played. Everybody started singing Wild Thing, and then these two had like a seven minute version of like their greatest hits yep essentially and i actually was fine with it like it was like obviously it's not you know you want your 20 minute match or whatever or your 15 minute match but like they essentially cut out all the rest holes and anything like that was like all right and we got blood hard way which was crazy so i was like yeah i'm rocking with it I enjoyed it for the time I had, but one when I looked at my cl- my phone and saw that it was uh, I almost said clock. I only got a clock. Uh, when I looked at my <laughs> phone and saw that it, I didn't have a alarm clock. My alarm clock is my phone, right? Um, when, when I uh, looked at the clock and said it, saw that it was like nine forty five as like uh, Suzuki's music, and I was like, oh yeah, we're, we're not getting anything special, like or not anything special, like compared to uh, their match in. Um, in February last year, like we're not getting that. I think it was New Beginning, so like we're not getting that match. But like whatever, like for what for the length it went, like I had a lot of fun with it, and it was really cool to see Mox at the end after winning, like going to the crowd and like you know, like basking the fact that he drew the house that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh yeah, that that was the show. Pretty pretty great. Like notable week. Um. As we go towards. Uh, Newark and then Arthur Ashe next week. That's going to be a very notable show, I would imagine. Um, The the NXT Championship, uh, I guess we should mention Samoa Joe gave that shit up. And obviously Chamba won it tonight. But I don't know, man. That whole thing felt a little funny. Uh, Joe put a video out basically relinquishing the belt in his living room. Mind you, um, like my thought on this is like the belt needed to come off cross for one. Joe was rehired to the company um, and they wanted to get the belt off a cross, but they didn't want to drop it to someone that wasn't established. Um, Chompa thing kind of throws a, a wrench in that, but just ride with me here. Like Vince's Vincent Pritchard's new NXT was about to start, and you know we never got anything on why Joe got fired in the first place, then brought back. I feel like this is a case of maybe like your Triple H and your Vince McMahon politics. 
uh, where Vince will try to undo some shit Triple H did, but they don't even actually care to beat Joe with anybody. And they're showing Joe a level of respect like, hey, we need you to win this title, but you don't even have to drop it. Um, and they want to reset this show fresh. And this injury was a way to save face and to clear out the title picture and get it on who they really wanted because either they don't find Joe useful or he's just a member of the office now, pretty much. Like, I don't think he's injured personally. Um, him, he dropped the belt on Twitter. <laughs> like he didn't try to direct. They didn't, or they did not try to direct him giving up the title to the show to watch or anything. Like they could have just steered people towards the show with a Joe announcement on the show. I felt like if it was a quote unquote real injury. Yeah, look, I'm not going to speculate on whether or not somebody's hurt or not. Um, they tell me that he's hurt. Whatever, I don't care. Real or otherwise, so they, I don't they, care. They didn't. They didn't give us an injury. They didn't give us a yeah, time but, that he but, was out. You know, like, there's also use, the part where they use goofy it, language. But you know that means. But you know, there's also code for them for when they, someone has a concussion. Like you can follow those same frames. Like, oh, he got concussed, so now he, you know he can't. He didn't pass concussion protocol, so he's out for like a number of weeks. And we have to do the show, so and we were gonna. He was gonna be a transitional champion anyway, so take the fucking belt off of him. Like who? Like there are so many weird things that are going on with NXT and like stuff. I mean, it's obviously the part where Vincent Pritchard have taken over the show, and like you're gonna have stuff where it's like the level of organization that NXT used to have will not be there. And it's going to happen. And you're going to be hearing about shows being rented at the last second. You're going to be hearing about, like, they changed their mind. They've gone another direction with this and the third. Like, you're going to be seeing a bunch of PCers get three-week pushes and shit. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to be a clusterfuck. And, like, um, with the news of Johnny Gargano, like, contract coming up uh, towards the end of the year, it's like people have started talking about what what is he going to do, whatever else. And, um, you know, like, you cut that promo, or not promo, but whatever. If you want to call it promo, I don't know what you want to call it. You said, like... Adam Cole uh, looking at the, looking at the uh, <laughs> um, the tea leaves, looking at like the landscape. He would be a fool to stay in NXT. Like he needs to go to the main roster, or he needs to go to um, AEW, or basically leave NXT. And quite frankly, ditto for Johnny Gargano. There's nothing left for him to do. He's even smaller than Adam Cole is. I'm sure this man fucking hates his guts about hearing about Johnny fucking Gargano the last uh, four years about all his great matches and all and such a great baby face or whatever else. I'm sure you met him. I'm sure you met him in person when he was on those Raws with DIY and then like they and then they broke that shit up or, or not they broke it up because uh, Chopper got hurt. But then like that shit spin the face of uh, <clears throat> what they were building on NXT anyway when they were a tag team when they were about to fucking feud for the title at, at uh, that takeover WrestleMania anyway that WrestleMania takeover anyway. So like. Yeah, um, uh, but one thing I, I I'm sorry to transition out of the Joe thing because I, I don't really have much to say. Though I don't I don't know I I, I think they say he's hurt. I'll take their word for it because I, 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 I don't really I'll care enough to even to even be uh, cynical of of what they're doing. I don't care. I was gonna say because it looks a little funny. Like the last two NXT champions had to vacate them shits, right? Finn Balor kept broke his jaw, kept the belt still through a whole cycle, right? cross uh, vacates the shit immediately like and they disclose the injury so like when they said he's out for a brief but indeterminate amount of time i'm like all right it's either the vid or it's fake like that's that's where uh, it it could be covid it could be covid it can be concussion it could be a fake injury i yeah i would say those be the three doors and any other door do you think it could be 
think that's it. Yeah, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not going to be the <clears throat> person that's going to say that like WWE is willing to fake out people on interest, whatever. Like, like, because I don't really care. I don't, I don't feel like being that guy. If you want to do that, that's on you, Rich. Um, <laughs> I don't want that heat. I want no parts of it. And because, because like, I don't want that heat. And also, like, I don't believe that they would do that. Like. There have been plenty of people that catch COVID and they send their ass away. There have been plenty of people that get concussions and they send their ass away and certain little belts and then don't tell us what actually happened. And, you know, like, you know, maybe Joe tells us eventually. But ultimately, like, I don't really even care. But um, I, I, I didn't transition over to the Gargano thing because I uh, I used to watch uh, Scott or used to listen to Scott Van Pelt and uh, Ryan Vasillo, um, their drive time or their afternoon show. Uh, no, their, like their afternoon show on um, ESPN Radio. And every week they would have uh, pretty much after uh, football uh, Sunday and that Monday, they would have a thing called stats, stats for the ladies. Right. Um, I had something that rhymed with stats uh, that could they'd be applicable to wrestling, but I, I don't feel like dehumanizing women. So I'm so I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to point out something. Um, I saw a lot of people saying uh, and we talked about this with the NXT like going down really hard as far as their, their uh, enthusiasm with their fan with fans wrestling fans is because of like their counter programming one their counter programming for AEW and two the people uh, uh, but before they even came that like people that are WWE main roster people only hated them because they hated being told that the wrestling they watch is inferior to the, the developmental indie guys so um, I saw a lot of that and a lot of people were like why would AEW even want them? I hate him. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, yo, y'all are fucking out of your minds. So I, I decided to do the stats for late. So go ahead, Rich. I was going to say there's a lot of Johnny Gargano slander that was going on um, on Twitter that, quite frankly, I was I thought it was a bit heavy handed. Um, <clears throat> like they like a lot of people saying they hope he does. He goes back to the Indies, James. This yeah. is what I was hearing yeah. seeing from people. I'm so, like, uh, yeah, so. Interesting. So, Rich, um, I, I, I just I had some time on my hands, so I decided to look up and see how many WWE matches on CageMatch.net in the history of WWE have ever been rated nine, nine point or higher. The number is one hundred and three. I'm going. I'm just going to. I'm not even going to go through the list of because I actually wrote down all the people that were involved, except for like. You know, a Royal Rumble. I'm not. I'm not doing that. That was one Royal Rumble. But um, everybody, everybody else that that you know that was took part in a, in one of the 102 matches in WWE history that ever got rated nine or higher by the fan service uh, CageMatch.net. Rich, where would you think Johnny Gargano would rank? And I'm going to give you a number. Do you think he ranks in the top uh, in the top 20? Yes. Do you think he ranks in the top 15? Yes. Do you think he ranks in the top 10? Yes. Do you think he ranks in the top five? Yes. He's number five. Out of the out of the hundred and three matches rated nine or higher in, in according to Cage Match WWE history, he has participated in ten of them. This don't sound like a guy that needs to be sent back to the Indies. Uh, this don't sound like a guy that you just can't find a spot for. This don't don't sound like a guy that um, AEW quote unquote shouldn't sign or should yeah. stay away from. Right, he uh, is he is tied for fifth with Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho at ten. The people in front of him are Triple H, 
The Undertaker, Edge, and Shawn Michaels. Shawn so Michaels. All, all people with 25-year careers, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I was getting to that. I, I was getting to that. You bet me I was getting to that. So, uh, number two, number one is Shawn Michaels. A staggering 16. <laughs> 16. Uh, Edge is number, Edge is number two. Edge is at 13 with number two. Uh, six of those matches out of his uh, 13 had four or less people in them. Only three of those matches are single matches. Uh, the Undertaker is number three with 12. He was with he he, he was with the company for 30 years. Uh, Triple H has 11. He's All death co- matches. He's been with the company for like 25 years. The All death 25 matches? Years. Like, so... Uh, so then you end up getting um, Gargano and Benoit and Jericho tied at, at tied at ten at, at the fifth spot. Um, now Chris Jericho has wrestled eight hundred and fifteen televised matches uh, for WWE. Chris Benoit wrestled four hundred and thirty seven televised matches for the E before he murdered his wife and his child in himself. Johnny Gargano. 108 televised matches in WWE history. One out of 10 matches, basically, that he's been in has been one of the 100 best matches in WWE history. But you dumb motherfuckers are telling me that he should be on some national television? Are you out of your fucking minds? You guys have soured so hard on this dude over the last years because of the, what happened in one final heartbeat. They are beginning to like, hey, by the way, What's the second or third best match in WWE this year? Oh, it's match with Kushida. The fuck is wrong with y'all? What do y'all? What the hell are we talking about? You think we're not even going to forgot how to wrestle in the last couple of years? What? It's a lot, man. Like, like uh... people. People have said I have. T- they are tired of the melodramatic stuff in his matches. I'm sorry. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But don't pretend like Johnny Gargano is so one-trick pony that only knows how to wrestle the WWE super indie style. This dude wrestled in Dragon Gate. <laughs> this dude wrestled in C- CZW. This dude wrestled in Evolve. And even, even his car placement in WWE. What's the best tag match in WWE history, Rich? Probably one of them DIY revival matches. Yeah. What, what was the melodramatic? What was the melodramatic stuff in that match? Where was the melodramatic stuff in like his first match, his first takeover match with Andrade? Not the main, not the the one from uh, the top, the main event, the one that was on the undercard when Bobby Roode and McIntyre yeah. main evented at Brooklyn. Yeah, like what are we talking about? I think that was the opener of that takeover. I don't it was. Were you allowed to? Ha- <laughs> are you allowed to put in melodramatic, emotional, overweighted, way too many kickouts in a fifteen minute match? What are we talking about here? You go through everybody in NXT that was around when Johnny Gargano was around and he wrestled with. You ask and you say, all right, what's their best match? What's Aleister Black's best match in WWE? Probably his match with Johnny Gargano. From, from, from War Games 2018. What yeah. is Tommaso Ciampa's best match? Uh, TakeOver New Orleans. Right. What is Adam Cole's best match in, in WWE? Personally, I would say the one, uh, the NXT TakeOver 25 match. Okay, but if not that one, then people would say the one before, the TakeOver before in New York. What is Ricochet's best match in WWE? Phoenix. You think that's better, better than the Adam Cole match? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I, I probably had to watch him back, but yeah. I, I remember um, liking that match a lot too. I like that too as well. But that Ricochet match was like following the Alistair Black match as far as takeover chronology. And that match, more people like that Ricochet match than the Alistair Black match. Um, it's like I don't know what we're doing here. Like, what is it discuss? This is this kind of goofy to me. Like, I want him to come to AEW for sure, dude. Him, like, look, I've when he was in NXT before they fucked this whole thing up. I so badly wanted to see him versus Bait, or him versus Swerve, or him versus Dunn, um, or him versus O'Reilly in a singles capacity on a takeover stage, and it never happened because the pandemic. He'd came have all never- new opponents and a lot, um, a lot more of them. Yeah, so he still had opponents there for for NXT, but they're going in a whole different direction. They're not going to want any of that kind of shit on the show. Just completely embarrassing these kids. Them kids will never be able to wrestle like that. Maybe maybe you get a handful of them over time, but those kids will see that shit and be like, well, <laughs> it's time to back this shit up, possibly, right? Um, but because AEW, I don't know what kind of, uh, where you will slot him, because he's not, right now, he's not as hot as Adam Cole was or whatever else. He's all, He also has a lot more of an injury history over the last couple of years, Adam Cole. Um, they're about the same age. They're both 30, they're both turned 34 this year, um, I think. But, Cole's only 32. Okay, I think so, he's two just years, so he's two 32. years old. Like, yeah. he goes to AEW. Like, what, first things first. He, he does. That. A- he is a car with high mileage. Yes, I'll, he is. I'll say that. Yeah. First things first with, with Johnny Arano. He goes to AEW. He can't be a heel. He has to come back and be more or less Johnny Wrestling and forget all the way stuff, even though it entertained us at different points in time or whatever else. And, and, and whatever else, it's a cool little side conquest thing to do because they're not going to make him the champion again or whatever else. That's cool. I'm not even saying he needs to be champion in, in AEW because I think that's way too... I think the br- price of Brick is way too high with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan here. But there is no rest promotion that gets that gets worse by adding Johnny Argano just as there is no rest promotion that gets better when he's gone. So I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. I'm sorry. like that was That's nonsense. It's nonsense. We're talking about literally one of the best wrestlers in the history of American professional wrestling. Yeah. We're talking about a dude um, that has four more nine-star matches, according to fans, than Bret fucking Hart in WWE. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. I I think you know, you know, I I, I engage in some of the Johnny Gargano jokes, but there's levels to this shit. Like, right. Like right. You know, he, he stares at his hands, and so and you need a shotgun to beat him sometimes. But I mean. I feel like you can't argue with like the, the run that he had, and obviously, I think the post like for when he fell back off the title scene, essentially the whole time on national television, like that's put more eyes on him. Like not in the most favorable light, I would say, not at his peak. So a lot of people maybe are are be like, well, what, what's the big deal? Like, and they're not really. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they're accounting for that pre. Uh, the the end of the network era, I would say, maybe. But then again, like they don't say this shit about like Adam Cole going out there and having fucking feuds with Pat McAfee. Uh, Cole kind of Cole actually they, deserves credit for that because like he actually made those matches like not suck. Yeah, yeah, and also with the help of you know the undisputed era and like his football friends like AJ Hawk and 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 whoever else doing like smoke and mirror stuff. But yeah, I get what you mean. Like I, I agree. Like. I don't think he should be a top 
uh, a top guy in AEW who were to go to AEW. I think he should be someone that goes out there and has a match with Darby and goes out there and say, God damn, in 15 minutes, he had a, he may have had the best fucking match on the card. Like, that's, that's where, he, that's, and shit, that's the reason why he got fucking over in the NXT. Because he kept going out here in the undercard or in the mid card and kept out wrestling every fucking body. But, you know, people don't remember that part. They only remember, apparently, the fact that, like, Triple H told him to, in the dark, go out there and wrestle 50 fucking minutes. That that was Johnny Gargano's decision. I'm sure it was. Man, um, yeah, I I'd love to see him come in. I I just I hell maybe even give him a, a new tag team partner or something like that. And then you know I know I know two dudes he can fight, so <laughs> that would be pretty uh, entertaining. So, um, I don't really have much more else in the American realm of wrestling, <laughs> but um, I guess James, it's time to hit the music. Yes, sir. Okay, so um, the last thing we left off on with me, like, hyperventilating about uh, Utami and Shuri having another draw <laughs> for matches, like, three draws, one of the matches had two draws in them, um, so <laughs> just really four, four draws and four matches with them, but um, I haven't rewatched the match, but I did see I did see a lot of the pe- the reaction for people uh, come in on it, and like you know, I thought it was a lo- match in the low fours. A lot of people think it's a four and a half star match. Um, I think it's their third best match, which is saying something, right? <laughs> I think that's their third best match together. Uh, so I think um, I think obviously their match from June. Uh, that went 43 minutes was better, a lot better. And I think that their match uh, on the last night of the Grand Prix last year when he went to a 20-minute draw was also better. But, you know, um, maybe it was a more packed crowd, bigger venue, maybe it played in me. But, like, I still thought that, you know, not to say that some, you know, oh, your third best match some four and a, half, four and a quarter, four, four and a half star match is some type of downgrade. But I, maybe I've been spoiled by their greatness because, like, they're they're incredible together. They've They've been since the first time they ever locked it up. Um, that's not even including like that, uh, that Queen's Quest versus Dom Del Mondo for, uh, or, uh, for Quattro's match from, uh, I want to say it was July of last year that you love so much. So mm-hmm. like, they just, they just have just a number of matches, but they just go together very well. But, um, we saw that, but we didn't talk about the undercard of that. So I'm going to quickly go through that so we can get to, uh, the real, um, the show opened up with a, the introduction of a woman named, uh, Waka Sukiyama. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. Get you, get you. You know, you know, Waka. You say yes. Like, how's that? How's that spelled, James? Oh, this W A K A. Waka, like Waka Flocka oh, Flame. Like yes. I'm going, like it, you know. Um, so continue, continue what you, what you got. I already have, I already have it set for something in place for her. You know, Flockavelli. You know. <laughs> the, Okay, so because her last did, name is uh, Sukiyama, did she come out? Did she come out to uh, hard in like, the paint? Oh, oh, hard in the paint. Oh, let's do it. What, what, uh, what tra- or was uh, was it a TTG train to go? 
trying to go grocery party with you know snakes in the grass. Where's that? Nah, she didn't come out to none of that. Um, she is a she is a um, I guess lack of a better word. I was uh, some of like twenty something matches. Her she debuted last year in Act Rest Girls. Another more Act Rest Girls plunder. Like it's funny. Um, the last couple weeks hearing about some of the um cornerstones in um marvelous are leaving um hibiki their their big heel um meiho shizuki um who has connections to azumi and has been on uh you've seen her uh in that you know that tag match you saw at the fifth anniversary she was tagging with azumi um and also uh makoto shindo another woman that's also very very freaking good um a lot of people speculate that it was you know it's starting with the culprit I don't know. Maybe they are, but like the fact that they're bringing in like these these rookie. This is not the second rookie that's came in from Tokyo, not Tokyo Judge Pro, but uh, from Actress Girls. They're coming to basically like just eat pins. Like one of them, uh, my my Sakurai. She's uh she's in Queen's Quest. She will be she will be dying on the, and landing on a bunch of grenades for Tam and Unagi and Mina. Now that all three of them are elevated, uh, but I don't know what's going to happen with uh with uh with Waka. It's gonna be funny to call her Professor Walker. <laughs> just it is. Yeah. But um Walker. But um because she's a rookie, uh she came, introduced herself, said she wants to come in and start a ring, and it's almost like clockwork. Like a new person shows up that's a rookie that, that fits into the future of stardom category, and Unagi sprints to the ring. <laughs> it's like, oh you you're, you're new, you fit a category, I want to give you a title match where I'm going to drop you on your fucking head. <laughs> so, um... They're like fresh meat. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to that in a second, but, uh... Welcome, 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 welcome. <laughs> oh my god, that's... Somebody's going to do that on one of these interests she has. Someone's going to do that, but, um... But yeah, so... Um, it needs to be us. Like, oh anybody God. listening to this show, y'all need to come up with the Waka highlight reel wherever y'all got to find them tapes, where, wherever they are, Act Rest Girls, however you got to get your hands on them, Dirty Google Drive well, links, however you need to do it. You can use Put start, Waka you can use start on the undercard of the uh, of the uh, nine sh- of the September 9th show. She actually wrestled, she had her future match already. So, okay, uh, against um, Unagi. But, okay. uh, so the second match on that card. On the, that nine four card is Hannon versus uh, Death. Hannon falls for all the deaths, uh, <laughs> goofy stuff. Uh, there's a point where they end up doing the spot in the corner where uh, Hannon's in the corner, and then Death goes to the, the Death, Death, who can Death, and it goes charging, and Hannon gets to boot up, and then after the third time, uh, roles get reversed, and Death says, "I'm not running into you again." You bring your ass out here. You say deaf, deaf, Hannon, deaf, and then Hannon's, you know, stupid sixteen-year-old does it, gets booted. Um, at the end, ultimately, uh, definitely in the win. Just a quick little comedy match. Uh, then on undercard, just a, ran- uh, a random special singles match that has nothing to do with the Grand Prix. Just a match to have. Nasty Poi versus uh, Unagi. Now, Nasty Poi and Unagi were, I believe were at Tokyo Joshi Pro at the same time in 2020 before um before both of them eventually left for stardom in the fall. Um they went out here and had what m- most people like about Tokyo Joshi Pro like in their undercard. It was a lot of goofy stuff. There was a ex- ex- 
some like elastic band that Nasty Boy had and wrapped around Unagi's neck and then went to the other side of the corner and then snapped it and it popped Unagi right in the fucking eye. I howled. Uh, before she went to do it, the ref yelled, don't you dare do it. It was subtitled. Um, don't you dare do it. And then eventually they, uh, after she gets snapped, they end up in the ring, um, with the, the, with this elastic strap, um, on both sides of the opposite corners with the refs, uh, what is basically like calling if the refs crotch and the ref realized that last thing was like, don't do it. And then they both snap him in the groin. Um, the match ends up to where they end up outside the ring and Nasty Poi ties up Unagi with the elastic strap. Um, basically towards the entrance way, she tries to get away and, uh, there's the 20 count is going on. And then as they get closer and get back towards the ring, Natsupoi wraps up Unagi in, into the uh, ring announcer, wrap the, wrap the, around the ring announcer. Count gets to like 18. Natsupoi thinking like, I got her. I'm just going to get the count out win and goes to get, and goes to get out, goes to get back into the ring. Unagi basically traps her in submission and she can't crawl in. So they go for a double count. I was like, Thank you, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Appreciate it. Anyway, uh, so then they end up having, um, after that, you have uh, Mayu versus Rina. I believe, yeah, I, I know what, I remember what happened now. Um, Rina goes to give Mayu a handshake. I don't think they've wrestled since. Rina just, like, in a random match on the Undercover Cork and Hall show, just said, I'm out of stars. I'm joining Oedo Tai. She didn't cross anybody. She just helped Oedo Tai win and just, like, or didn't actually didn't stop uh, someone from Stars or team tag team partner Stars being pinned and just like just joined Saki and just walked off to the back and then she was in the way of the time since there was no resolution to that whatsoever. So uh, Rina goes for a handshake and then like goes for roll ups or whatever else. Mayu sells for her for a little bit and then like beats the crap out of her and then pins her. Uh, decent match. Um, Julia ver- next match is Julia versus Mai. Um, Mai is basically doing her version of the Unagi uh, trial thing, and she in this uh, show goes up against Julia. Julia no sold her shit. Julia rocked her with some of the hardest forms I've ever seen her throw at someone, and then she beat her. Um, it was pretty brutal. It was it, it it was pretty it was pretty hard to watch at times the way she beat the shit out of this woman. I it, it, best way I explain it. Best way I explain it. Um. Then you actually get to uh, the Grand Prix uh, portion of the show. You get Hameka versus Mina. Um, now, they these two have faced each other a couple times this year earlier in trios matches uh, for the trios titles. Rich um, all-star match. <laughs> so, um, they are due to have the, uh, another title shot at the trios titles with Hameka, Micah, and Natsupoi versus Tam, Unagi, and Mina um, because their last match went to a time limit draw. So um, they have this match and like Mina just holding on for dear life against this monster. And this monster, <laughs> this monster finally just kills her at the end. And at the end, Hameka takes uh, Mina's uh, trios belt and just walks to the back. <laughs> it, it was a fun Why match. Now? It was a fun match, but it was like it was it was obviously Dave versus Goliath and Goliath Goliath won. Goliath Goliath. Um, so I'll be uh, taking that with me. Yeah. Uh, so the summit event was Konami versus Takumi, and boy oh boy oh boy, uh, this match was fun. This match was fun. 
Um, there's a there's a sequence in this match that I specifically remember towards the finish, or the lead to, that was the finish that was um, Konami or Takumi has Konami up in the corner is about to give her the, the the big three uh power running power bomb. Konami escapes, and as she escapes, she trap she grabs uh Takumi's arm and goes for and go, turns into a rolling arm bar. Takumi transitions, then uh, or transit tries to fight her up and lift her up, but nothing doing. So Konami transitions over to the uh, the triangle. Takumi lifts her up like she's about to power bomb her, but then Konami gets the lever, and then basically from a standing while Kon- Takumi's still standing, Konami is doing like the the, the arm bar <laughs> like while Takumi's standing. It looks awesome. So Takumi. Lifts her up uh, and goes to power bomb her. She does it, get and then goes to go finish her and goes for another one. Uh, goes to get her for a running three. Goes for a running three. Konami escapes again, and as she escapes, she turns it into a drag uh, to an arm drag, and, at, and then the arm drag turns into a rings of Saturn with her feet, and and then like. From there, Takumi's just dead to rights. She's screaming, dying, trying to get to the ropes. Can't make them. So while she uh, has the arms and legs uh, for the... uh, While Konami has arms and legs for the Rings of Saturn, Takumi just basically repositions her hips and it turns to a a cradle pin. And then uh, Konami escapes that and turns her to her own version of uh, a crucifix pin. And then it's back to that pin. And then back to the crucifix, a deep one kicks out um and then um konami ends up escaping ends up getting a, a roll-up victory uh a uh she turns a, another big uh running three attempt into a inside cradle gets the win i i end up giving this three and three quarters i love this match um like i've never really thought about how a takumi konami match will work other than i just wanted to see it in like like konami like just like we talked about like when she's up for it she's as good as anybody else in starting just about and like she was up for it in this one like uh, i really enjoyed this match um so and then we talked in the main event was the uh utami shuri match so we move on to the uh the cork and hall nine six show um now this how many matches of this that you watch rich caught the or the the Momo matches, okay. Um, Natsupoi and Unagi, and also, um, excuse me, um, the Momo matches, Mega and Natsupoi, and Takumi versus Tam. Okay, okay. So, um, the opener is uh, my another challenge against Micah. Micah beats her up and beats and stacks her and gives her <laughs> like you expect. Uh, second match is the future match, uh, between Unagi and, and Waka. Waka comes out. She's dressed like either a LSU tiger or a Los Angeles Laker. I'm not quite sure, but it's white and it's yellow and it's gold and it's purple. Um, like, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot in stardom and a lot of other places like Marvel's, for example, and Sendai girls, like you kind of have basic gear for being a rookie. And I'm looking at her gear. I'm like, that don't like no rookie gear to me. That looks like some good ass looking gear. Like you put some money, invest some money into this. Um, so, uh, you know, it was not a good match at any means. It was a, it was, it was rough at points, but it would end up being okay. Um, Unagi, um, 
is going to have to learn how to lead a match or wrestle from on top instead of getting her ass whooped and fighting underneath in a lot of these matches. So, like, she, she needs those reps. Um, but match is okay. I'd probably give it, like, two flat stars, but it, it didn't last that long. Um, next match, uh, Kamatani versus Roaka. Obviously, Roaka's is bigger than Kamatani, but in kayfabe, you know that Kamatani is a way bigger deal. Um, so it's kind of hard to, you know, obviously, uh, is a monster and ever, and she's going to get her, her spots in, but like, I don't need Kamatani to win all, every single one of her matches, like an underdog baby face with a, with a flash hurricane Rana. Like she's got to just beat her. She, she needs another move. Like she has that fisherman, um, Falcon arrow and she has the golden Phoenix, golden Phoenix, the uh, Phoenix splash. She needs another move for someone that she can't lift. Um, because I understand, like, you don't use a Phoenix Splash on Roaka in the undercard. I understand that. But you also need to come up with something besides... A, she needs something. Like, she can lift up uh, Roaka, obviously, but... The, I, she needs need, some type of kick or something. Yeah, like a big boot or something, because, like, you're, you're Flash Hurricane you're, you're flash hurricane running somebody that you, like, we know you're going to beat. Like, that doesn't really... You skate out the back door against a 16 year old. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it matches okay. Uh, then we get to the my the Momo section of the show. Rich, you yeah. I did not highlight these because I because you know the first match went 90 seconds and the next match went like six minutes. So I didn't really feel the need to to have you watch them. But you saw Momo versus uh, versus Death, and you decided to click on it. So what yeah. what do you what do you watch? You know, what do you see in these ninety seconds of Fury? Yeah, man. Um, I was watching this. I had no idea this was coming. I didn't really like look at the the bottom of the screen or whatever. And it was like um, I just popped that it ended that fast <laughs> because it, <laughs> it was like like Death does her her corner charge. Momo goes out the way. She hits her with the fucking newspaper. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a new development from this past weekend. She she showed up the match with a newspaper, and she bought people over the head when it's popping the crowd left and right, like an excellent comedy wrestler. Yep. And then like she pops her in this video roll, and the video roll is like clean as fuck. And yep. then she just doesn't kick out, and I'm like, and I pretty much come off my chair like, what the fuck, like. And <laughs> like <laughs> That's why I texted you all caps. I was like, incredible match. Uh, I thought I thought you were joking. I didn't realize you actually popped for the mat for the finish like that. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. And so, then uh, fucking fucking Saki runs in. And I'm big like, boots Ma- Momo's Saki face here? right off. Yes. And now was Saki and Momo a tournament match as well or no? Yes, they were both tournament matches. Like ah. what what ended up happening is like uh because of uh like two weeks of shows got uh got cancelled because of um because of a COVID uh lot or COVID uh, shutdown or whatever else. Um like a few of the wrestlers were in people's uh um contact circles that had actually did test positive COVID. So they shut down like two for two weeks to make sure that people were gonna be, you know, okay. So once that happened, they have they're now in a rush to fit in matches. So they basically like, hey, uh, get Momo out here twice in one day. <laughs> yeah. So they they gave Momo like a smooth seven minutes of work combined. Um, Four points in seven minutes, Rich. Amazing. The efficiency, efficiency level off the charts. Um, yeah. But yeah, 
this was this was quick and not not really too. I, I like the finish on this one. I I don't remember it, but I remember liking the finish when I watched it. I um, I, I don't remember. Any, I remember. I remember Saki throwing a tiaras. Um, a tiaras. Uh, oh, I I remember that. Okay, so I do remember. Um, at some point, Saki uh, Mo ended up behind Saki, and then um, like. Momo ended up hitting like the meteor to the back of Saki's head. I was like, God damn! Like, I understand it. Like, you know, we we I like to send memes of um of uh, giant Saki again murdered, right? Especially when she was younger. Uh-huh. Uh, like Saki is really good at getting fucking murdered. Like, I got videos from like uh, 2019 before Ozuki retired. Like, just just like you press pause on the impact on a brain buster, and you still see like. So- you can see Saki's head is touching the mat, or her neck is touching the mat, or or Hazuki touching the mat. But you can still see like Saki's head is li- literally perpendicular to the f- to the mat. You're like, how do you not break your neck? Um, like like the highest of high angle uh brain busters. Um, like this this is the brain- <laughs> this is a brain buster would have made Undertaker and Goldberg blush. But uh, like she she's really good at getting murdered. Like also that uh that. Uh, lumberjack match from last year with Mayu, where Mayu just fucking just super kicked her brain out, brains out of her skull. But anyway, like they had a good match. Momo ended up just winning because, like, I don't know why. Like Saki has to be a geek, but uh, they beat Momo like the old Edo type killer. Like she beat two of them in inside of eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this was like, who wants some Momo next? Yeah, like, uh, who, who else are y'all going to send out? Right, a smooth a smooth four points in seven minutes. Like, so, um, I think she has six points now. So, uh, next match was uh, Nasboy versus Emeka. You said you watched this, right? Yes. Oh, yes, you did. You text me about it. God damn it. Oh, I love yeah, this match. Yeah. I love this yeah. match. Like, it... So, Emeka and Mike... Uh, Nasboy and Emeka are in the same fashion. Not Armando... The friends, they tag partners. Like we talked uh, about the show before, how like um, the issue, the the Hameka stealing Mina's belt. That's because like on uh, Hameka's team is Natsupoi, and that trio scene is going to eventually probably take those uh, trios titles. So um, they start off with a handshake, and like Natsupoi immediately like turns that shit. Into- she grabs that hand and immediately goes inside cradles and the schoolboys trying to get her out of there quick. Like I'm trying to get this monster caught off guard and off balance off her feet. And like Hameka just does a great job of bumping. Like for for a five eight five nine giant um in Joshi terms, like she is a very good bumper. Like like she she flops around like a fish. Like that's that's one reason why I like her match with with uh, Utami because Utami can like I feel like a lot of times Utami is like I need to find somebody I, I can wrestle and not break mm-hmm. and like it seems like Shuri and and Himeka are two people that she and Mike are like the three people like she's okay with like letting loose on um so like it was a really good match like a lot of it was a lot of it was you know a giant basically trying to catch a bottle of water with their bare hands and trying to hold it in place and like. A lot of kickouts, a lot of hard, and they start brawling. And uh, Hameka ends up working over Natsupoi's back and ends up getting a deep, deep. Uh, at one point, uh, we'll get to it. Like ends up getting a a single leg uh, crab. Uh, Natsupoi makes the ropes. Um, there's a there's a dive from the outside to the floor, from the top rope to the floor on from Natsupoi onto Hameka. Uh, there is a point where like. 
Hameka works over Natsupoi's back some more and then slaps on a uh, a deep, deep, deep lion tamer. Like, the, like she's literally sitting her ass on Natsupoi's head with with his lion tamer. It was disgusting looking. Um, and then eventually, like, because she didn't tap, she got frustrated and let go. Um, so uh, there's a point where she just gets her up and racks her a couple times, the torture rack, the little torture rack, and then hits the JB coaster, like that fallout, and sit out uh, uh, slam. Um, and then uh, go, tries to get the pin off of that, and like Hameka, or sorry, that's where reverses Hameka's uh, pin attempt, and then Hameka, because she got beat by death earlier in the tournament with that move, reverses that reversal, and some time gets the pin and kick out. Um, and then by the end, like they're brawling back and forth. Um, and then Hameka puts like hits some bombs and then racks her and then racks her to sleep. She goes out. I, I really enjoyed Shadow's match. Like, I can't believe what do you end up giving this match, Rich? I think I gave it like three and a half, maybe like three and three quarters. Probably I'm in the middle. Yeah, that's where I am too. I, I, and it's a 12 minute match on the undercard. I was like, it's a really good match. And like these two, um, like this is the only place you ever want to see them wrestle each other until they, you know, split up or whatever. So, um, after the match, um, Hameka, uh, because she stuck her hand out to Natsupoi, Natsupoi tried to, uh, screw her over, um, with the, with the, with the flash roll-ups, um, go, goes out of the, uh, ring on the floor, and then, um, while, uh, Natsupoi is basically by the ropes, and sticks her hand out for a hot, for a handshake, Natsupoi hurt, cause she got put to sleep by her homeboy, homegirl, um, slaps her hand away, like, whatever, you got me, whatever, and then, uh, Hameka laughs, and then Natsupoi gets on the apron and says, lift me, lift me, and she basically, Hameka turns around, and Natsupoi piggybacks her out of the building, I thought it was the most adorable fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, Rich, I was like, look how, look, look how adorable these two cute women are, and one's really, and one's big, and one's, like, tiny and then they just had this match this wrist really like rough ass match where like they beat the shot of each other and let the end they can still be friends like, like that's I, I just liked it i just liked it like donald mono's baby faces except for uh julia that's the only thing that came from being straight up baby faces yeah you know they, they they fought real hard on real valiant and you know they went to the back to make up so the next match is julia versus mina um, I, I did not recommend this match to you, but it was a short match, and boy, for a short match, they these two, this could be a, this could be a future big uh, pay per view match, Rich. Like these two had this like sprint that went probably like seven minutes, and all they did was slap and brawl and and farm each other, and like it was really fun, and like it ended it ended in a flash finish, like uh, Mina was going for something, and then like Julia caught her and hit her with the uh, the, the Northern Lights bomb, the, the Kira Hokuto finish and pinned her and walked off like it was really really fun uh it's probably like three and a quarter with seven minutes I, I really liked it uh so uh do you watch starlight kid versus uh kaguma no i didn't get to that one okay so Star starlight kid like we talked about how you know she's one of the best baby faces i've ever seen everything but like this hill thing is working out game buzzer she's really fucking good um uh again again this match three and a half stars like she's just She's just, I don't know, like, if I were going to become a professional wrestler and I want to work heel, I'd probably watch her just for how she lays out her matches. Mm. Like, she's how she just, lay them out. 
I mean, it's just it's just simple stuff, but it's like because you know the high speed elements added to it, like it keeps the matches interesting and, and, and on balance, and like she doesn't really like cheat. She she's just aggressive and nasty, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, like one of the big moments of this match when like they're brawling back and forth, and then like Starlight Kid hits this gigantic elbow to the chest, and like you can hear thudding off of the off of the, like the the entire arena all, all throughout Cork and Hall. Like that's how hard she hit her. Like it like she's just really good, and like this whole you know mean nasty thing like really works for her but at the end like um like she's working over the top of Kaguma and Kaguma has to fight back and it also like hides some of the like limitations that Kaguma has like coming back cause like her moveset is like not as big as or expansive as like the other girls cause like you know when she left she was still a young girl they didn't let her you know she was kinda like in that Saya Ida st- phase imagine like Saya left for six years and came back you mm-hmm. know like she has the fire she has all of that but like she didn't really like practice all this stuff and all these cool things, but eventually it broke out uh, into like a, a, a you know a, a flurry of high speed kickouts and stuff, and then uh, by the end, like there was a, a second rope uh, RKO off the off the second rope and stuff, and they um, they teased like they were gonna fall and everything off the top rope before they did it. It was just, it was like really well thought of and added like elements of danger. And like, it was a really fun match for a match. It wasn't like all that brutal or all that like, um, flashy either. Like, it was just, I just like, sort of like kid style as a heel. It's hard to explain. Um, next match after that was, uh, Oh, so sorry. After that happened, um, Kaguma won and Hazuki comes out and says, nice to see you. Kaguma, it's been a long time since last time I seen you, which is like, kinda. She was at your retirement ceremony when you quit <laughs> in December 2019, but whatever. Uh, she basically said, like, you know, um, I'm coming back, and I know that you coming back, and I know how you feel about me, but uh, I would like to, fa- I would like to face you. And then Kaguma, she shoots her shot. She said, "You want to face me? I like to face you too. I like to face you at Osaka Joe Hall on on October 9th." Special singles match, Rich. <laughs> Man, she just had this date in her head. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's out of nowhere. Yeah, like I, I look. If Azuki had stayed, I don't think she's having a singles match in Osaka Joe Hall in 2021. By the, the way, it was like she left, she came back, and they've already slaughtered her in the, like somewhere in like some you know probably fifth from the top, but still like in a, in a, a match that will be fun. Um, so I, I can't wait for that. Uh, and also, like, they're friends, so they're gonna probably, like, murder each other. Uh, so then, um, next match after that, um, some main event, Shuri versus Konami. Shuri versus Konami, uh, we saw this match the first time at, uh, at the Budokan Hall match, or Budokan Hall show, and we both said at the time, like, we both gave it three and a half stars. We said, but don't let, like, that number fool you. This is a seven-minute match. And, like, if this match had gone a few more minutes longer, we're talking about an easy four-star match. That's the level of wrestling they were doing. It's just it went only seven minutes. Um, this is the match that we talk about. Like, if this match, had, this is the match if they had got time. Easy, breezy four-stars. They kick the shot of each other, make kicks, uh, battling with make kicks, battling with forearms, uh, battling for, for uh, arm bars, uh, started out the match at the beginning, uh, gr- wrestling on the ground and then getting up and then unleashing and, um, really fun match. At the end, Konami ends up, uh, getting a flash roll up on, on Shuri. Shuri has to leak points somehow, some way to keep this interesting. Um, 
and like Konami seems to be on a roll in that she's like now kind of into um the uh the top tier of the uh of the block. Uh she she was at first she was with she already wrestled Raka. Um I'm trying to think who else she wrestled. Like she's kinda gotten out of the way. Like now this is gonna, gonna get like Kamatani's and Micah's and uh in already wrestled Tam, but uh you know, um Utami's. She still has an Utami match left. So it's gonna be fun. It is backhand. Then the main event. Tam versus Takumi. Whoo! A banger. <laughs> Absolute banger. <laughs> so Yeah, they fucked each other up. Rich, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I was, um, I, I liked a lot of the counters, um, that would happen in this match, like where someone would run up, catch a foot, go to sleep. Um, I thought that Takumi is awesome <laughs> and I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> don't have the detail in the run rundown of this, but the basically, basically this match is. Tam is a top star in the company. Tam is the white belt champion. Tam made event at Budokan Hall. And Takumi Aroha don't give a flying fuck about none of that. She demolished her in a similar fashion to the way that uh, she demolished Mayu in February last year in their, in, uh, their exhibition match. Um, this match is very much like, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I kick harder than you. I'm probably, and I'm faster than you. You have nothing on me other than other than heart. You got to heart your way out of the situation. And Tam has enough of it to where she damn near got herself out of it. But like she was kicking her with um she was hitting her in the with uh these gigantic loud slapping um like uh shots to the thigh that was like here dropping Tam to a knee. She'd get up and try to fight back and kick her a little weak kick because she has no base in her legs that kicked from out of her leg and it kept going back and forth. And Tam would mount these comebacks and like one spot in particular I loved a lot was uh, towards the end was um, they're on the second rope um, and <clears throat> Tam was on the outside facing in and Takumi's on the inside facing out. So she uh, they're going for um, a superplex off the second rope. So gets Takumi gets Tam up. Tam fights at the, at the apex and gets back down and she slaps in. And she's fighting for her life at that point in time. She's like uh, working underneath. She's from that point. She gets back down and she basically lands on that hard ass turnbuckle. And while she's laying on the hard ass turnbuckle and also like trying not to fall to her death from like eight feet, she slaps on a uh, a guillotine. Takes some of the takes some of the uh, the the, uh, the the starch out of uh, Takumi. Takumi then fights through the guillotine and it continues on with that superplex that we were talking about. And then Tam fires up and in, in, uh, out of that and then like charges and they continue fighting. Like this, th- there are so many elements from this match that remind me of like the stuff that like Takumi and Mayu have done and Mayu and Tam have done with that in Mayu matches with both of those two, and then to see like they brought out against those two was like that's really cool. So um, basically, at the end, Takumi has her uh, or Takumi is hurt. She's about to put away. She escapes, uh, lands three huge kicks, um, takes out Tam, and then lifts her up, and then drops her with the, uh, with a running three and gets the pin. Um, and she beat the Shab White Belt champion. An incredible f- 
15, 16, or sorry, 14 minute sprint, 16 minute sprint, whatever it was. It was fun for the time it lasted. I'm not giving this four and a half. I kind of feel like I'm shortchanged by not giving four and a half, but I'm not giving four and a half. I'm giving four and a quarter. I enjoyed the shot this match. Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. Yeah. Probably four or four and a quarter. Yeah. I. This is their first time ever touching in the ring, Rich. They've never seen it before, ever. <clears throat> so, I mean, Budokan Hall? Uh, it depends. Like, um, that could happen. I think we're more likely to see the Mayu thing, but we'll see what happens. Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. But I, I think down the road, because, like, the, the Mayu thing, like, Mayu wouldn't beat Tam. It would be the, <clears throat> to put her over. And then, like, you get another match on the line. Like, you know, well, White Bell Champions have been watching uh, Stardom. Like, they leak points like crazy in uh, in, in the Grand Prix. Like, uh, Arissa, I think she was eliminated before the final night. Julia was eliminated before the final night uh, last year. And uh, Tam right now is 3-3. Three and three. So, like, she she leaked one to um to Kamatani on a flash pin. Um, she leaked one to Unagi. Um, I think that's more of just like that's right. I'm, try- I'm trying to help my I'm trying to help my home girl out, um, get her get her get her some points on the board, but like uh, Kamatani, um, and Takumi, sign me up for another white belt match for them too, or sign me up for white belt match for T- Takumi thing and sign me up for another <clears> one um, with Kamatani. So yeah, uh, that's that's what we have updated like. Um, and then next week we'll give you uh, we'll, we'll tell you what's up. I think next week, I think we're getting Takumi versus Kamatani. I'm, I think, but anyway, like it'll be fun. Um, next that would week. be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right now, as of right now, based on what we've uh, after the um, in the aftermath of the nine six show, um, the leader on uh, the Blue Stars is Micah with seven points. Um, and then following her is, uh, with six is like Kamatani, uh, Tam. So that, that'd be the people in the contention right now. Obviously like Utami hasn't run as many matches yet. Um, and then the red stars, the leader in the clubhouse is, uh, Starlight Kid with seven points. And then Julia, um, and Mayu have six points and Momo has six points. Um, but you know, Julia been injured, so she's out determined. We'll see what they do as far as, um, far as if they have to make any adjust, any obvious adjustments uh with the back half of the schedule or whatever else but um it's looking like it's a lock that you know the winner of starlight kid versus mayu uh is going to win that red block all right man so uh anything else i think that's it yeah uh that's the end of the show be sure to raise whatever app you're using to listen to this with um Go to our Red Circle page and hit us up with a donation. We work hard for you, so give back to the community. You know, do a little bit for for the ninth anniversary. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. What is what is the uh, the gift for ninth anniversaries? I don't even know. Uh, Let's just say it was platinum. Let's say it's platinum. Just cause, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. platinum. Yeah, sure. You know, send okay. platinum. Yeah, send platinum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not now if one of you motherfuckers sends platinum food, but we are gonna find you we're gonna find a return address and come beat meet you with bats. Don't play us. But uh <laughs> but um do, do not send me no no shit with a 05 jersey number on it. <laughs> Look, don't you dare send me some shit with fat Albert on it, you motherfucker do you. But uh yeah, so uh anyway, uh <laughs> 
Also, go to ProRacingTees.com slash SoulSuplex and pick up some official SoulSuplex network merchandise. Also, on check out the rest of the shows. On Tuesdays, keep it the strong style. On Wednesdays, the Rick and Clyde Wrestling Podcast. On every other Wednesday, Gorman Watches Shit. On Thursdays, the Grave Consequences Podcast. On Fridays, 8-Bit Suplex. On Saturdays, All Things Elite. And on Sundays, Grand Mass Generator. Thanks for listening, hey, y'all. Check the clips on uh, YouTube as well. Yes, Rich is clipping up funny things or interesting things or people ranting uh, from some of these shows uh, and, you know, kind of get us out there. So, you know, be, be sure to check out the the YouTube and also check out Twitter for when he posts uh, these clips. I, you know, I, I don't know what gave an inspiration to do this. Was it because of your rant on Daniel Bryan or was it because of me losing my mind over uh, Utami and Shuri uh, last week? Which, which one was it? It was, I actually had had a conversation with Catherine. She was just like, you know, saying, well, like, how are you guys going to keep, like, continue to get more out there? And I'm gotcha. like, man, why don't I just start putting up clips and, you know, other shit like that. And, okay. You know, before, you know, obviously video stuff was talked about and all that, but mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I kind of want to give a chance to, to have editing and shit like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Know, <laughs> I, I don't know about the whole live feed. <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe yeah, one you. day. Yeah, I got you. Shout out to Catherine. Um, but, yeah, um, that's the show, y'all. Thanks for listening. Later. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 